From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is seven minutes past the hour. Welcome to the program. Well, something that we proffered yesterday came true. Didn't know how it was going to happen, but I had every belief that something would happen just prior to tomorrow. And that is with respect to Title 42 remaining into effect. And it has to. In, in the, it's it's a total disregard by this administration. I almost am tongue-tied because the lies are so outrageous that are being told. It, I mean, it's hard to keep up with these liars who lie about lying. I mean, for example, this Corrine Jean-Pierre, she, I mean, she should be ashamed of herself. I don't care who whoever writes in that binder that they hand to her to flip through pages and read this garbage. She's blaming Republicans. Now, think about this. Even if you want to say Republicans don't want to vote for more funding, the Democrats have the majority in each house. So what have they been doing for two years? How do you blame the minority for what the majority? It's not like there's split government yet. And Republicans won't fund it. I mean, my God, the, the, the amount of money that's been made available. Don't forget, they won't even put the border wall up that's paid for. Both the materials and the labor. They are lying and you're going to find out by five o'clock tonight. They are required to respond to the Supreme Court tonight. Now, what are they going to do? Are they going to be against Pausing this because Corrine Jean-Pierre just kept saying we're following a lawful court order. She just kept saying it again and again and again. It was so annoying. Blaming Republicans for what they're not getting done. And keep in mind, it's really frustrating because this is their desire. They want an open border. Then she keeps saying there's not an open border. But then you can see, even though only Fox News will cover it with their drones and their coverage, you see the people flooding in. And this is before Title 42 would end. So John Roberts did a very good thing. Again, keep in mind, the Supreme Court will probably give great deference to what the administration wants to do. It's their job. The money is there. The will is not there. But the agenda, the Democrat agenda is there. Make no mistake about it. These decisions that have been made before, they're not really about whether you agree with it or don't agree with it. The administration has the authority. It's not the – it's almost like if you think about a a superintendent of schools and the Board of Education. The superintendent runs the schools. The board's job is to see that it's run well. 
You have one that proposes. You have one that disposes. So the legislature has its job. The And they've done it. I don't think anybody can intellectually honestly say that the commitment hasn't been made. Now, they can say they're requesting three point five billion more. This is this is outrageous. Listen to this comment from the Department of Homeland Security on the Supreme Court Title 42 order. Quote, we urge Congress to use this time to provide the funds we have requested for border security and management and advance the comprehensive immigration measures President Biden proposed on his first day in office. What a crock of I mean, I'm telling you, a broadcaster could lose their job on a day like today because you want to start to use language you don't even use because you can't believe these people can be this utterly dishonest. What Joe Biden did on day one was purposely make America less safe, open up the border, and they keep saying it's not open. But it is. I mean, they're even suing Arizona because Arizona put shipping containers in the areas that aren't complete. And you watch, I'm telling you, uh, that that hideous new governor that's coming in, she'll remove those shipping containers. I guarantee it. So Justice Roberts temporarily blocks the end. And remember, this this all was put in effect by President Trump as a pandemic era restriction. This is not a permanent solution. It's worked well. The the estimate is somewhere between 80 and 90 percent of the people that are coming in from other countries have no asylum case. They don't belong here. You do understand, and this gets all mixed up because of the politics. There's no country in the world that operates like this. And I'm talking about supposed friendly countries. You can't get into Canada like this. You pick the country. You can't. And you shouldn't be able to here. I know what they're doing. We've been calling it out for years. Five million or more people are here in this country that shouldn't be here just since Biden's been president. Can you imagine what can happen over the next two years? And God forbid if this incoherent mess of a president, if he gets another four years, which you better not count out. Madness. Utter madness. So 19 state attorneys general. Interesting to note. Basically, Arizona is the one and that's sort of a swing state. But basically all Republican states. This is what this is. Everything is political, no matter what. Now, I choose not to live my life that way. If somebody does something that's good, I don't care if they're a Democrat. I don't care if they're a Republican. But this is literally 19 Republican states that filed for an emergency appeal 
to the United States Supreme Court yesterday. John Roberts got it. He could have referred it to the entire Supreme Court or he could put in what he did. And that is the temporary blocking of the end to Title 42, if you follow along, sort of double negatives all over there. But, I mean, this is just unbelievable stuff. And I'll tell you, I'm going to have to stop watching this woman. I try not to. But this Corrine Jean-Pierre is the most offensive public employee that I have ever witnessed. She is dishonest. And there's something about her, everything from her cadence to just the whole deal. Every word she says, I treat as a lie, no matter what it is. And just think of this. I didn't even get to the January 6th committee. Where where do you hear what I have to say about this? This dishonest outrage, this garbage group of garbage that are there faking that this is some beautiful, wonderful, bipartisan effort. If you watched any of that, you witnessed communism. You witnessed star chamber-like activities. I've got a lot to say about that. And I hope I get a moment or two just to uh, comment about Hacksaw Jim Duggan. The former WWF, I'm not saying WWE. I got an email once. Harry, it's not WWF, it's WWE. I know. I know all about it. After years and years and years of being the WWF, suddenly the, the Wildlife Federation didn't like it. And so they're WWE. But Hacksaw Jim Duggan... WWF, what a story if you haven't heard it. We have a great morning planned for you. Kirk Conover is coming up at 7, Chuck Malamut at 8, and something that I look forward to just so much, our annual year in review and state of talk radio discussion with Michael Harrison, founder, publisher, and editor of Talkers Magazine, the Bible of Talk Radio, and the new talk media. Here's our Fox News commentary, which means Tommy Laren is up, and I will be back. Don't go away. I'll be back in just a little bit. I'm Hurley in the morning on South Jersey's number one, all because of you, WPG Talk Radio. 95.5. Fox News commentary. A customer at a well-known chicken joint shot an employee after the restaurant ran out of corn. Buckle up, folks. This is wild. I'm Tommy Laren. More next. We conquer cancer. For the mom-to-be who is out of treatment options. For the doctor who has a brilliant idea but needs research funding. For the people who faced cancer head-on and climbed incredible heights while they were with us. For the children who celebrate the end of chemo. We conquer cancer for all who have been touched by it. Conquer Cancer accelerates breakthroughs in research and care for every cancer, every patient, everywhere. Join us at conquer.org. 
we all have fast food cravings now and then, and it really blows when our favorite items are sold out. But this next story out of St. Louis is buck wild. Last week, a drive through customer was so upset to learn that KFC was out of corn, he not only threatened employees through the drive through speaker, when he got to the window, he pulled a handgun and shot an employee. The 25-year-old KFC employee was rushed to the hospital where he was in critical condition. Can you freaking believe this? Is this what the unchecked culture of entitlement and lawlessness has created in the USA? You don't get your corn so you pull a gun and try to take someone's life? These outlandish stories are happening more and more across our nation, and heaven help us if we don't get a grip on our society. I'm Tommy Laren, and you can watch my show Tommy Laren is Fearless at OutKick. The first button on your car radio for South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. Welcome back. 23 minutes past the hour on the Hurley in the Morning program. Appreciate you being here. And look at the um, look at the calendar. Holy smokes. When it turns to 20, that's getting very close to Christmas Eve and Christmas. Oh, boy. Can't wait. So I was looking at the temperatures for Friday. Now, I'm going to give you the wind chill because what it feels like actually matters not just what the actual temperature is but what the wind chill value is and this is just all over the country amazing actually now the northeast is spared some of this absolutely horrific stuff for example chicago on Friday, this Friday, today is Tuesday, a couple of days, Chicago will have a wind chill of minus 27 degrees. St. Louis, minus 30. Omaha, I'm thinking of Peyton Manning. Omaha, minus 35. Bismarck, North Dakota, right? Minus 40 degrees. Hot Atlanta. Wind chill Friday. Zero. Now we have a distinguished listener who I think is heading to Hot Atlanta. Fortunately, a day before this. Zero wind chill on Friday. Let me see something real quick. I say this often. I'll be your human Rolodex. I'll be your weatherman. If Margie was here, she'd be your weather gal because she's fantastic. She loves, oh my God, does she love the weather. Okay, let's see. Let me do Atlanta and see when my friend is traveling on Thursday what you'll be up against. I think you're pretty lucky. All right, Thursday. Oh yeah, uh, my friend's listening. I got, you know, it's one of my favorite emojis. The one with the bug eyes open, big wide eyes. Like, huh? Oh, yeah. Okay, you're lucky. All right, my friend is leaving tomorrow. Even luckier. Ah, this is, it's a, what what would, um, who used to say? It's a can of corn. It's a can of corn. Can of corn is an easy play. Like a little ground ball, nice bounce, you know, to shortstop. Can of corn. Uh, No problem. No problem. 
40 degrees, even a little warmer than that, probably by the time you get there. This person travels well. I have to say, this travel this person travels well. So they're writing me that they heard that it's going to be extremely cold. Yeah, I just told you it's going to be zero. Zero wind chill. Yes. Let's see what Thursday will be. Thursday's still not bad. Thursday's 40s. Rain, though, at different times. And Friday and Sunday. Wait a minute. This is crazy. Friday will have a range of... It could either be on Friday. Now, keep in mind, Friday starts, you know, I would say midnight and a second. But Friday in Atlanta will be either 55 degrees at one point during the day or 8 degrees. Let's see what it starts out at. Man, look what this does. It's true. At midnight, 55. Then it goes down 10 degrees by 2 a.m., 34, it will be 34 degrees by 4 a.m., 18 degrees by 6 a.m., 12 degrees by 8 a.m., 8 degrees by 10 a.m., and then it works its way back up a couple of degrees an hour, and by 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock at night, it will be 19 degrees. Saturday in Hotlanta, Low of 10, high of 24. Sunday, low of 12, high of 29. Monday, 12 degrees. Is Monday, Christmas is Sunday, right? So it'd be very cold in Atlanta for Christmas, but it'll be sunny. And fortunately, precipitation on Tuesday, about a 55% chance, but it'll be between 28 and 40 degrees. So it looks like it will be a rain event. Uh, So to our listener heading to Atlanta, uh, that is your weather report, courtesy of the Truth in Broadcasting, early in the morning. But this individual is taking off on Wednesday when it will be very, actually very nice. Not a problem at all. All right. When we come back, I will quote the Dersh, Alan Dershowitz. I will share my thoughts. I think that the audacity of this fake committee, you think about this. The media won't cover it this way, but whenever you have a trial or some kind of finding of fact, the other side always gets a shot in the process. Not this nine uh, or this January 6th committee. Uh uh-uh, uh, not them. Every single person on the committee only blasts Donald Trump. Now, there's a lot of exculpatory stuff, and I think what is going to happen, the new Congress is going to have to clean this up. Look, they've made criminal referrals that you could wipe your hiney with. Uh, It's no better than toilet paper. Uh, It's ridiculous. They're a joke. They're a partisan hack bunch of clowns. And that's the nicest thing I have to say about them. I'll say a lot more next. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. It's Harry Hurley at 30 minutes past the hour. Three stories that you can follow on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Steve Smoger, who is a city solicitor, a judge, uh, 
all-around good guy, great friend, a great boxing referee, has passed away. Check out my story. I think you're going to like it. It's nostalgic. Atlantic City area and New Jersey stores that we loved that are now closed forever. You grew up with them. You're going to love them. And a legend, Charlie Gracie, has died. From the town's New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Overall, today's weather looks very similar to yesterday's, mostly sunny, dry, and chilly. Winds will be a bit lighter today, too. I'll give you a high of 41 this afternoon. Mainly clear and cold tonight, low 26. Sun and clouds and 43 tomorrow. Then our next storm system rolls in on Thursday. First raindrops in the afternoon and early evening. Rain gets really heavy with gusty winds Thursday night. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Have you been naughty or nice this year? Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you to the great one. 37 minutes past the hour, Hurley in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Tell a friend the truth in broadcasting comes out to play weekday mornings. From 6 until 10.06 until Kilmeade. So, Alan the Dersh, I don't think anybody, I don't know what anyone's called him the Dersh, except me, but I just like saying it. Alan the Dersh, Dershowitz, said that the January 6th panel referrals to the Department of Justice, quote, worthless piece of paper. Not exactly a raging conservative, Alan Dershowitz. Basically, an equal opportunity offender, because when Bill Clinton was getting uh, all kinds of charges and different things, Dershowitz took the position that was overreach. And now in the Trump era, he has taken. So he's actually consistent. He's gotten both sides uh, on him, though. Think about how renowned he is. But really, and I I haven't even seen him on Fox News lately, but other than Fox News, no Democrat outlet puts him on. There is an agenda to absolutely finish off President Trump, and they think they've done it this time, and they just keep piling on. You know the game where you just pile on, another one jumps on top, and another one jumps on top of that, another one on top of that, and the poor person at the bottom is just getting demolished, squashed? Dershowitz said, quote, Congress has no power to recommend prosecution. See? But they don't care because these are basically, these are political criminals. When they said how bipartisan they are, how fair this process has been, no witness of theirs has been cross-examined. Every single piece of evidence is hyper-negative. They have edited this stuff with actual professional movie people wait until you see all the information that they've been hiding i don't even mean just exculpatory you know you can make you can make anything look as bad as you want it to look if all you show is one angle and that's what they do quote I repeat, Congress has no power to recommend prosecution. 
and said that it's unconstitutional for members of Congress to recommend prosecution for anyone making the committee's determination, quote, a worthless piece of paper. Here's my prediction, and I know I'm right. They don't care. No, no one in this process cares about the law, about being fair, about doing what's right. I guarantee you Merrick Garland is going to take these referrals and he's going to give them to the special counsel. Remember where you heard it. That's not been reported anywhere in the country. But I am telling you, I know it. That's where this goes. So the moment you hear Merrick Garland say uh, the Department of Justice is not going to act on this, uh, we are passing these criminal referrals on to the special counsel. I guarantee it. And then that person gets to go bananas, hog wild. Let me share with you um, what uh, Victoria Tenzing and Joe DeGeneva said about this. They agree that the committee has no authority, no authority to recommend charges against former President Donald Trump and his staff. And, and the key is that's beyond dispute. They do not have the authority to do this. But that doesn't stop them. This is funny. The move was symbolic. Committee Chair Bernie Thompson admitted afterward. Tenzing, the former chief counsel of the Intelligence Committee, agreed. Now, this is Victoria Tenzing saying this, not me and not DeGeneva. This is this is Victoria saying this, quote, the committee doesn't have the authority to do what they recommended to the attorney general, Merrick Garland, who, if he has any cojones, will refuse any indictment. <laughs> she said that. That just doesn't sound right. But he's not Merrick Garland. Don't worry. And remember, we gave you the law yesterday. The special counsel law applies to Biden. It doesn't apply to Trump. Yet in bizarro world, of course, it's just the opposite. Trump has a special counsel and Biden doesn't. It's 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 um, it's just mind numbing how this works. Now, keep in mind. You don't have to like Trump. You don't have to like what happened on January 6th. Uh, Some of it I don't like. But the president, meaning Trump, didn't commit any crimes. It's a free country. And what they never played, and it shows how dishonest they are, they never played President Trump saying in his speech If you are going to the Capitol, do so peacefully. You realize that that's checkmate that completely exonerates him. And and by the way, even if he didn't say that, he doesn't have to. He's guilty of insurrection. He's guilty of of trying to change the result of an election. Then, yeah, then guess what? Then when when uh, Clymer 
introduced a complete separate set of electors when George W. Bush beat John Kerry. And something happened as well in, in Ohio. Are they insurrectionists? Were they trying to uh, overturn the results of an election? Are they election deniers? There's so much to go around here. There really is. And I use the term uh, Soviet show trial, or I think I call it a communist star chamber representative. Claudia Tenney from New York said that this was the production of a modern day equivalent of a Soviet style show trial where the outcome has been manufactured and predetermined. Tell me that's not true. Everything they did. Tenney likened the January 6th panel's actions to when she was living in former former Yugoslavia which she describes as communism light. When one quote disagreed with the government, they put on a show trial and they sent you to a barren island where you spent your time in prison because of your protest against the government. It's pretty similar, isn't it? I think it's very Soviet style, quote unquote. It had a predetermined outcome. They knew what they were doing. They cherry picked the evidence and the people they wanted to talk to. Remember, uh, Kevin McCarthy wanted Jim Jordan. He wanted Jim Banks and others on the committee. And Nancy Pelosi would not allow them. That's never happened in the history of America. The, The Democrats chose which Republicans they would accept. And they accepted two ass clowns like Liz Cheney and and little Adam Kinzinger. They're your Republicans, two of them, two Trump haters. And then they get to say it's been a fair bipartisan. Go see how many times bipartisan is said. Now, think about this. Zoe Lofgren, a California jackass, Adam Schiff, congenital liar jamie raskin pete aguilar stephanie murphy elaine luria and then you have liz cheney and adam kinzinger who both despise trump openly imagine that's your jury you got liz cheney saying this man should never be allowed to hold office ever again but i'm really fair and i'm open-minded about what we're going to find here They didn't want President Trump or anyone to be able to speak freely in a live format. They censored every single thing that took place. This actually is worse than Russia or North Korea or anywhere else you want to pick because they're pretending to be fair. It's actually worse than the worst despots on the planet. And that's why the American people don't give a hoot. I'm covering it only because it's news. It's garbage. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Markley, Van Camp, and Robbins this afternoon at 1. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Now, think about this. Who haven't you really heard from? Now, if you're a reader of Truth Social, 
then you you have heard from him. But there's no coverage of President Trump. He just gets avalanched with all this stuff. And there's just there's no I, I've told you this many, many times over our 31 years together. There are certain people that just never, ever get treated the way that you would normally treat anyone. They just get treated in in a manner that is disproportionate. And and on this in this case, extremely unfairly and very hyper negatively, President Trump said, quote, these folks don't get it when they come after me. People who love freedom rally around me. It strengthens me. What doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Americans know that I pushed for 20,000 troops to prevent violence on January 6th. And I went on television and told everyone to go home. Now, listen, if you're going to have hearings, you got to call Nancy Pelosi and say, why did you turn down uh, the offer? Uh, The mayor of D.C., why did you turn down the offer for help? Remember, they were busy hating anything that resembled police. So that never got vetted. Trump wrote further, the fake charges made by the highly partisan unselect committee of January 6th have already been submitted, prosecuted and tried in the form of impeachment. Hoax number two, I won convincingly. Double jeopardy, anyone? Another uh, post, the people understand that the Democratic Bureau of Investigation, the DBI, I like that. I got to tell you, I like that are out to keep me from running for president because they know I'll win and that this whole business of prosecuting me is just like impeachment was, a partisan attempt to sideline me and the Republican Party. I have to agree with that. Then uh, 20 minutes later, he wrote, think of it, the radical left Democrats, and he put in parentheses, communists, spied on my campaign, true, Lied to the Pfizer court, FISA court, true. Lied to Congress, true. Allowed an invasion of our country on the southern border, true. Embarrassed us in Afghanistan, true. Gave away our energy independence, a truth. Killed us on job losing regulations, more truth. Wouldn't use the 20,000 plus soldiers I recommended for January 6th. True. Refused to look into election fraud. The reason for the January 6th rigged and stole the 2020 election, allowed ballot stuffing, FBI, Facebook, Twitter and Biden crime. I'll tell you what, that is that is a wild but a wildly accurate post. That is one of the pithiest paragraphs you'll ever read that tells you all these things that are incontrovertibly true. Very good. That's probably one of his best posts that he's ever done. Hey, did you know this? I don't have my notes in front of me on it, so I'll have to I'll have to just riff it. Robert De Niro slept through it, but something like 2.30 in the morning, uh, somebody got into his house. It was a woman. She has been arrested 26 times, 16 just this year alone, and she just keeps getting released back into society. 
I wonder if the media will go get a comment from Robert De Niro when he wakes up and see what he thinks about that. His daughter was at home. He was there. He, he slept through it, according to the reports that I've heard about it. But a woman that's been arrested 26 times, 16 in the past year. But now there's just, you know, there's nothing, nothing wrong at all. Everything is is just uh, absolutely beautiful. Here is something we all better get up to snuff on the level to which the FBI was involved with social media to protect Biden. This this has to be criminality. They are the ones that interfered with elections in America. There's something like 80 FBI agents embedded. Just Twitter, uh, just um, in Twitter. Imagine Facebook where Mark Zuckerberg was testifying and said the FBI, you know, called us. And I mean, like this is normal. The intelligence community, remember the 51 people that signed that letter? And and remember, they all did it. I remember telling you at the time, I said, I can't prove it, but I know it. I said, I know they're lying. We're unfortunately, I said, we're going to get the truth. But unfortunately, it will be long after the election. I remember saying these things to you. I said, we're going to get the truth about this. I said, because how they could come out and say when the FBI had the Hunter, lap, Hunter Biden laptop for over a year, well before the election of 2020, and they did nothing with it, and they still have done nothing with it. This guy, I'm telling you, this guy, Paul Mac Isaac, uh, he, he gave it to other people because he thought he was going to be killed. The FBI was doing nothing with it. Nothing whatsoever. What is he? John Paul Mac Isaac. Is that the whole name? I want to get that in there before I get 100 emails. They've done nothing with it. And you'll see. I mean, I, I guess I'm going to be wrong about this. We're running out of time. But I really believed that Hunter Biden was going to be charged before the end of this year, before January 3rd of next year, because once Republicans are in the majority, see, they're very political, they're very strategic, and it's a Biden protection program. So the smartest thing they could do, I mean, unless they just think he's going to get away with everything and that just nothing will ever happen. But if they charge him with a couple little nothing burgers that his father can pardon him anyhow and will, without a doubt, you make no mistake about that, then they, they the Justice Department... They won't cooperate anyhow. They're, they're criminals. That's what's so dangerous right now in our country. When the supposed good guys are the bad guys, what do you do? Where do you turn when they can crush you? But you watch. They will not cooperate. It won't matter. Subpoenas. You, they, they just will not cooperate. But if they did charge them with a couple nothing things, then they could say we can't cooperate Uh because this is all under investigation and it's been charged and, you know, they'll probably make some deal and then nothing else can ever be brought up. They're so corrupt. 
I just you have to believe me. I'm I'm telling you the truth. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. And more truth. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is like a cornucopia buffet. There is so many things to choose from to talk about that it is it is hard even for me and it's one of my strengths it's hard for me to catalog all this stuff and keep it in any kind of representative order because it is just almost seemingly spiraling out of control when you th- and think about it i did a whole hour didn't even really talk about some so many of these economic issues that are going on which we typically do save for Kirk to cover, who joins us now. Kirk Conover, former New Jersey Assemblyman, all-around good guy. Kirk, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you. Glad to be here. Well, glad to hear uh, you. I, yeah, I was listening to 6 o'clock hour, and yeah, there's so many things going on. Well, let's start with this. Let's start with January 6th. We've never... I don't think we've ever witnessed anything like this in American history. I mean, literally partisan haters of one individual that spend 18 months of taxpayers dollars to the tunes of who knows tune of who knows how many millions tens of millions of dollars to try to get one person and then they pretend like they're fair yeah and it's one person who's now a private citizen yeah and it's all a matter of uh, disqualifying uh, President Trump from ever running again. And it just shows you the left never quits. They are determined to use every possible weapon uh, they can find to prevent the um, American people, you know, voting them out, basically, you know, and, and restoring some type of traditional American economy and uh, republic. Kirk, let me me ask you this. With everything that we know to date, we don't know what we don't know yet, how some of this stuff is going to unfold and so on and so forth. But everything that we know, uh, all these accusations, the New York um, jury that found the Trump organization guilty of all kinds of stuff, they whisper, though, but not President Trump or any of his children. Uh, The appointment of the special counsel, this January 6th committee, the the avalanche of just suffocating, hyper negative stuff that President Trump has faced. Now, some would say he's brought it all on himself, which I don't believe that's true. I'm, I, he's not perfect. Far from it. But th- this is so over the top in my estimation. Do you think they have succeeded in finishing him off? And keep in mind, this special counsel is going to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I have predicted, I don't know if you heard me say it, they're going to take these bogus charges that the committee has no authority to make. And Merrick Garland is going to say he's turning those charges over to the special counsel to also investigate them. You can see that coming, right, Kirk? 
Oh, yeah. That was an accurate prediction that you made, and I agree with it totally. They're going to figure out a way to slide this away from the DOJ, so it looks like it's you know, the DOJ's, you know. Hands are clean. Their hands off of it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, it's uh, this. I don't think they're going to get them. I don't think it's damaged them. Uh, look back at 2016. What could have been worse than charging a candidate for the presidency with colluding with Russia, our our geopolitical enemy of all t- of the last century? Uh, and that didn't damage him. He won the election. So, you know, and in 2020, they had to manipulate the uh, paper ballots and mail-in ballots. Um, you know, so I, I don't think any of this is going to damage him. Like, he, you read his statement, which is, I think, one of the best things he's ever written. It makes him stronger. It makes his supporters stronger because uh, his base sees through all this. Do you also agree with my analysis that the Democrat media is trying to create a very – um, nasty civil war within the Republican Party where typical friends will cross the Rubicon with one another because the media is going to pick this fight between Trump and DeSantis so that no matter who wins, they're really busted up in the end. Do you see that as something that's also going on? I do. Uh, divide and conquer has always been a strategy, and the uh, left-wing media in this country will delight in uh, uh, not these Democrat polls where they're 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 just being very very dishonest. Uh, and Trump is still leading, and he's leading comfortably. I think it was close to twenty points still. So I think Trump leads. DeSantis is though very very viable. Uh, it would be totally dishonest, and I won't be that. I never am uh, to say that he didn't have a great. Uh, November 8th, uh, he had nearly a perfect election. He won in Democrat areas. I mean, his his um, his resume, the case he can make by saying that he took a state that was basically 50 50 and won it by 20 points. I mean, look at how much Al Gore beat George W. Bush. That's with Jeb Bush being the governor uh, in Miami-Dade and Palm Beach and places like that. I mean, DeSantis winning the way that he did throughout the entire state and and in particular in these very, very once uh, hard left Democrat counties is really impressive. Uh, I don't know that it's enough that that he could beat Trump because Trump obviously has won and not only won the nomination twice, but but won the presidency and also got the most votes of any Republican in the history of the country. So it's a it's I think still a heavy lift. For DeSantis, but I'm not going to allow the Democrat media to get me in a in a box where if Trump doesn't win, which is what I prefer, that I got to hate DeSantis. Uh-uh. Now I'm not doing that, but that's the game they're trying to play. Right. Yeah, they have to damage DeSantis too. They have to keep. They have to pump him up enough so that. It- well, no, no. Here's Kirk. Here's what they do. They did it with McCain. They they do it until you're the nominee, and then they absolutely kneecap you. Right. Yeah, and uh, DeSantis has a tremendous record in Florida. You can walk around Florida, and people just, out of the blue, just comment. They just say he's the greatest governor they've ever had. 
you know, when, when have you ever had that in New Jersey where uh, people just blurt out, you know, I love our governor. Well, I will tell you, uh, Chris Christie prior to Bridgegate and Chris Christie prior to what he's been doing lately, uh, I went to Alaska and I was on top. I took a cable car ride with Margie to some mountaintop and, and a lady from Alaska, when we signed in, and we, they have you sign your name and, and what city and what state you're from. She said, New Jersey, Governor Christie. I love Governor Christie. Governor Christie was as hot as DeSantis at one time. People just forget it. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, the, he he had the deck stacked against them, too. Yeah. They were just, you know, I, I've said it before. The Democrats are like a, a basket of crabs. <laughs> They're never satisfied. You stick your hand down there and, and the claws are always coming up to get you uh so yeah they were just and, and they're pulling each other down so it's very is it it's a very good analogy if you've ever watched and i know you have kirk so have i you watch crabs in 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 a basket or whatever or even a pot uh the one's about to get out the other one will pull that one back down yeah <laughs> it's like oh man i was gonna get out what'd you do that for you know it's like the, the scorpion and the frog now we're both going to drown. That's my nature. Kirk, let's go to the break. It's 17 minutes past the hour. It's the Hurley in the Morning program with former New Jersey Assemblyman Kirk Conover on South Jersey's number one. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Here's Sean Hannity. The truth and nothing but. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. The state's allowing voters to select someone to return the ballot. You know, this is one of these items that I don't think Republicans are paying attention to. And what I'm seeing emerging is Democrats, they're not really into the campaigning. I'm the better candidate. I have the better vision, pressing the flesh, holding rallies. They they tend to hide in the basement, avoid debates, avoid the press. And their whole team seems to be focused on ballots. And only ballots and how to get ballots in the hands of the people they think are going to vote for them. This is where Republicans need to play the same game to make it a level playing field. Keeping you on the straight path. Later today, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, do you want to improve your shooting? Of course you do. Now you're going to love Mantis X. Now they have improved my shooting dramatically. It is a must-have for every responsible gun owner. Now, the Mantis X is a high-tech but simple-to-use system used extensively, by the way, by the military, and it improves your shooting quickly and will give you the confidence in your ability to protect what you love. Now, here's how it works. You attach the Mantis X to your firearm. You connect with an app on your smartphone or tablet or Bluetooth. It gives instant feedback on what you're doing right, what you're doing wrong, and how to correct your technique. Now, the Mantis X is like a firearms instructor right in your pocket. And 94% of shooters improve within 20 minutes using Mantis X. And Mantis X is the best way to train at home. No driving to the range, no spending money on range fees and ammo. You're going to save a ton of money and improve your shooting. So start improving today. Just go to MantisX.com. That's M-A-N-T-I-S-X.com. Download every Hurley in the Morning program as a podcast on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. We continue with Kirk Conover. Sorry, so let's get off of that. We could talk about January 6th, Kirk, and uh, mess up the whole hour. It's it's so illegitimate. It's it's terrible. 
Uh, let's see. How about this one? Let's talk about the fact that 19 state attorneys general, basically all Republicans and including Arizona, because the Arizona governor is Republican. I'm sure that that hideous uh, incoming governor, she's just absolutely going to be terrible, terrible secretary of state and will be an, uh, an even worse governor, of course, Hobbs. Hobbs probably wouldn't have been one of the 19, but all Republicans, they appeal to the Supreme Court. They hit pay dirt. Uh, Justice Chief Justice Roberts is keeping Title 42 in effect. The Biden administration by 5 p.m. tonight is going to have to respond. Uh, Do they want Title 42 to continue? Do they want Title 42 to end? Because they've been getting away with lying. They've been getting away with saying Republicans are to blame for all this. Kirk, I don't know um, how you process all this stuff. I'm usually pretty good about taking what the other side does. They have become dishonest at a level that is enraging me. It is outrageous, and it's it's hard to not get uh, angry because when you see the spokes idiot get up there and you know just basically say that uh, you're the people that are causing all these people to come because you're saying it's an open border. You know, all you got to do is look. You know what I wish, though, Kirk? I wish the media now keep in mind, we know the Democrat media is not going to ask the question at all. But at least the ones who will ask the question, I wish they were a little better informed. I'm not going to call anybody out by name, but I think it's obvious. Just be a little more informed. For example, when Corrine Jean-Pierre says Republicans are to blame because they're not approving more funding, Democrats have the majority of both houses of Congress. So Corrine Jean-Pierre is condemning the Democrat Party for the last two years. And and you and I both know there's not a dollar that they're wanting in terms of uh, funding the border. They're purposely leaving the border open. Then she gets to report the border is not open. Then they say this. I didn't even get into this, Kirk, in my opening monologue or my initial comments here with you. And then I'm going to turn it over to you to comment. Take as much time as you want, Kirk. The the audacity of saying that if you say the border is open, that you are the one that's creating the the um, amount of people that are coming in because you're supporting the trafficking that's happening. I mean, it, they, they, these people, it's like I know they get off that stage and they're in there laughing with each other and saying, can you believe this? Can you believe what we're saying, that we're saying this and and that, that we're, we're kind of getting away with it? They're blaming Republicans. If you say the border is open, they're blaming you for the surge. Yeah, you tell the truth and they in an Orwellian fashion turn it right around on you. And, yeah, they, they get it. They're getting away with it because the legacy media won't call them out on it. Uh, there's, you know, Fox News calls them out. A few other outlets, once they get <laughs> in every two months, they get called on, call them out on it. They even went so far yesterday as to say that. Uh, President Biden secured more resources for the border than any president in history. Yeah, he canceled the wall. That's securing resources. A wall that was working and almost done. And now you've got. And paid for, Kirk. The materials are laying there. They're paid for. And the labor is paid for. This is this is a strategy to bring millions of illegals into this country. Then to say, oh, my God, we have no choice. We can't we can't round up. 
10 million people, we're going to have to find them a path to citizenship. It's it's it is a decided strategy, Kirk. Absolutely. They think it's their future Democrat voters. Um, and, you know, He'll come back. Don't worry. Elections. There you go. Yeah. Now, I, you, you blipped out again. I don't know what's going on, but go ahead, Kirk. I'm sorry. It's not your fault. All right. But anyway, yeah. And the other sidebar of this whole border uh, situation is the fact that it's another creation of chaos. How do you destroy a society? You create chaos, create chaos, and then tell the people, if you elect me, I'm going to solve the chaos. So this is just another uh, part of, you know, the downfall of America. And this is on purpose because they want to impose a top-down government-controlled economy. And if they actually say that, the people won't go for it. So they have to do all these other things, like the January 6th committee, manipulating the Twitter and other forms of communication, the social media platforms. And, of course, you know, we, we can't say it enough, but the legacy media is full of leftist uh, reporters that, that were, I don't even want to call them journalists. No. Uh, leftist people that were indoctrinated by the radical professors from the 60s. So, yeah, it's a, it's a very dangerous time. And, you know, you've got other things on the other side, aside from the political part of it. You've got, you know, the Fed, they're on the verge of creating like a, a global depression if they don't watch themselves. So it's a very uh, strange time we're living through. And um, I saw a T-shirt that expressed it all yesterday so simply. It said, mean tweets, cheap gas, 2024. That's good. Kirk, hold on. Don't go away. When we come back, the audience knows my take on it. We want to get your take on how proven it is now, just how involved the FBI has been as Democrat activists, I mean, this should, to the core of every American, this should chill you with what is now proven through the release of these Twitter files. Kirk, I know you're on top of it. We'll get your take next. This portion of Hurley in the Morning, I'm very proud to report, brought to us in part by Batteries Plus Bulbs. And I'm telling you, it's the perfect amount of time, just a few days before Christmas Eve, before Christmas and batteries plus bulbs, you can make them your destination for holiday gifts and stocking stuffers. They have build and learn toys. They have flashlights and lanterns for home, backyard, or car. Batteries plus bulbs has creative solutions to fix your cell phones and tablets, batteries for your power tools, cars, motorcycles, golf carts, and so much more. Stop in to see Roy. Scott, Farah, and the team and ask for your free smoke detector battery by mentioning Hurley in the morning. Shop local. Shop batteries plus bulbs in Northfield and Mount Laurel. The Northfield location is right next door here to Broadcast Center. So simple to get to. And in on Route 73 in Mount Laurel. Back with Kirk Conover right after this. It's halftime. This is the Town Square, New Jersey, Info and Weather Network. Still me, Harry Hurley, 30 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow 
on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Steve Smoger, great guy, attorney, judge, uh, literally a judge, and also a boxing uh, referee, great friend, has passed away. You can read all about it. Atlantic City area and New Jersey stores. But we put together quite a rundown of stores we loved that are now closed forever. And a legend, Charlie Gracie, has passed away. Back with Kirk in a moment. From the Townsquare, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Let's talk about when you'll have travels traveling this week. Storm system comes in with rain Thursday, nastiest, wettest weather Thursday night. Wind may also affect flights into Friday and the Christmas weekend, too. Today, we'll enjoy sunshine, dry weather, chilly temperatures, high around 41 degrees. Mainly clearing cold tonight, low 26. Sun and clouds tomorrow, high 43. Rain moves in Thursday. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. For complete contest rules, visit WPGTalkRadio.com. We are back. It's 36 minutes past the hour. Chuck Malamut, about, well, exactly 30 minutes away. He'll be here before then, but we start in 30 minutes with Chuck. I would imagine that uh, if you got a zinger or two, Give Chuck about 10 minutes, Kirk, to make sure he's in the car and uh, we'll make sure we make time to make that happen. If you need the time for something such as that, uh, not trying to provoke anything here, uh, but looking forward to a great hour with Chuck. It's, boy, I'll tell you, uh, a long week Ooh, from the financial standpoint. We'll, we'll tease out a little bit uh, with Kirk uh, in the next segment. Kirk, as I teased right before the break, the FBI has been completely exposed as a political Democrat organization, which was once the most vaunted, uh, respected paramilitary law enforcement organization uh, in the uh, in the world. I mean, Kirk, look at this outfit. Look at the dishonesty. Look what they did in the run up to the 2020 election. I really believe this is just like Russia collusion, Kirk, where the Democrats would be caught if the truth was allowed to play in real time. So instead, they flip it on the other side. Remember all the people that got deplatformed and 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 suspended and all kinds of things if they reported the truth. The FBI is busted here, Kirk. The Twitter documents unambiguously impeach and convict them. Your thoughts? It's a very disturbing... Uh to read it, to see it. Uh, like you said, they were the world's premier law enforcement agency, investigative body. And now to, you know, be sullied by this wallowing in politics to influence an election, which is one of the greatest crimes you can commit against this country, to try to manipulate an election. Isn't, isn't that really insurrection, Kirk? Yeah, I mean, we've prided ourselves in, in being uh, this Democrat, Democratic Republic for over 245 years. And the FBI comes along, infiltrates uh, into Twitter uh, and Facebook and gets uh, these private companies to censor people. And it just is. And they actually planted false information with Twitter saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was um they were they were not only counseled, they were basically ordered by the FBI to not allow it to be discussed. 
because that would be furthering Russia propaganda when they had it in their possession. They knew it wasn't. Uh, and I want to follow up with something else if you have a comment on that. And I think you will. But also, what happens to these 51 intelligence people, Leon Panetta and a bunch of people just like that, that signed that letter that had such an influence uh, in public opinion and in what was allowed on social media because it was utterly discredited by people with what thousands of years of experience, if you add them all together, certainly hundreds of years of experience when you add them all together, and they were all lying. Yeah, something should happen to them, but, uh, you know, it, they're going to hide behind, well, it was free speech, it was our opinion at the time. Well, does Trump get that? Does Trump get to say that? I thought it was free speech for everyone. So we're going to say it, and I'm not, I'm not coming at you. I get what you're saying, but they made a determination. Uh, how come none of them have ever said we were wrong? Honest mistake, we were wrong. Well, these lefties never do. When have you ever had any uh, leftist politician come out and say they were wrong? Oh, never. Uh, my no, policy was never. wrong. Joe Biden said the generals gave him the recommendation for Afghanistan when they when a general was under oath uh, te- and the general testified that that's exactly what we did not recommend. We do not agree with that. We did not recommend the order that Biden did and what he did in Afghanistan. But Biden lies with ease regularly. Yeah. And, and, you know, they float all these false balloons that uh, somehow, you know, they're going to go back on policies and change them and admit they were wrong. But they never do. I mean, we have not seen it. Uh, this uh, We haven't seen anyone make admit to a mistake in the in the Obama administration and the Biden administration and the Democrat Congress or any of the Democrat Congress people for the last 20 plus years. They don't they don't admit mistakes. And we all know people make mistakes and you're a bigger person if you can admit it and learn from it and course correct. But no, that's not the atmosphere we live in. And that's not the way we're being governed. And that's a real shame because what made this country great was the fact that we had people that would step up and stand up and be counted, admit when they were wrong, like. President Reagan admitted back in the 80s, like, you know, in the second term that he was wrong with what went on in Central America. And people, you know, are very forgiving and they respect that. That's the kind of government the American people deserve. That's what made this country great. You know, having a fair judicial system, having a fair congressional hearing system, that's all thrown out now. I mean, these... uh, I mean, Trump is going to be in a Washington, D.C. grand jury. He's going to get indicted. I mean, there's no I don't see any scenario where he's not indicted. Then the trial will be in Washington, D.C., where he will be automatically convicted. The entire jury will be Trump hating Democrats. This is unbelievable. I mean, we are living that I think this is beyond our generation's McCarthy era. Oh, yeah. This is uh, East Germany, Stasi type stuff that's uh, uh, very, very scary. I mean, it wasn't this special counsel, Jim Baker. Didn't he work directly under Peter Strzok at the FBI? Yes. And wasn't he the one that was 
justifying all the accusations of Russia collusion that turn out to be a hoax. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Trump has a stacked deck against them, and uh, it's all because they know that if he runs, he's going to win. And they they, and they want to dis- they want to disqualify him before he can. Kirk, when we come back, it is not on Chuck's agenda. So I'm going and and Chuck has a very sobering agenda today. Wow, this is going to be a really great episode of uh, Malamut um, coming up. But one of the things we're not going to be talking about because we did at length last week is the CPI. Now, CPI was better than expected, and yet when the Fed chairman spoke, I mean, he cr- the markets were going gangbusters. He's crushed the markets, which is what they want to do. I want to get your take on that uh, when we come back because um, I don't see any way around it. We're in for, I think, a rough 2023. I think it was preventable, too, but the Fed says nothing, you know, no cuts in 2023. That means we're going to be staying with the higher rates. Uh, I just see a lot of um, a lot of tailwinds. We'll see what the Wharton School graduate Kirk Conover has to say about that when we come back in just a little bit. 44 minutes past the hour. It's WPG Talk Radio 95.5's Hurley in the Morning. The WPG Talk Radio app is your connection to South Jersey's talk station. Get free, unlimited local and statewide news from New Jersey's largest radio news team. Download all of our local shows as podcasts and more. Powered by Ambient Comfort. For installation to repairs and maintenance, give Ambient Comfort Heating and Cooling a call today at 856-213-6586. AmbientComfortNJ.com. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. Most of you know that Hurley in the Morning has been a longtime supporter of the John R. Elliott Hero campaign for designated drivers. In fact, with Paul D'Amato and Bill Elliott, the actual announcement of the very creation of the John R. Elliott Hero campaign for designated drivers took place in this studio, on this program. It's a mission to prevent drunk driving tragedies. They've done a great job over the years. And according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, half of all traffic fatalities involve alcohol or drugs. Think about that. That would mean one out of two. And they're all totally preventable this holiday season. Please join with me in taking the hero pledge, promising not to drink and drive and to be safe and sober and a designated driver for your friends and family. You can go to HeroCampaign.org, click on the Hero Pledge button to join us. You can also download a free digital Hero membership card, good for free soft drinks at participating Hero establishments. This holiday season, be a hero, be a designated driver, and take the Hero Pledge at HeroCampaign.org. On behalf of Bill Muriel Elliott, thank you very much. It is 49 minutes past the hour. I I think I have to do a correction. I think I said right before the break, there are a lot of tailwinds. Uh, I meant to say headwinds. Tailwinds would be the wind at your back. You know, I I don't want to even attempt to get away with that one with a a mighty captain like uh, Captain Kirk here, who is the commander, the captain of a worthy vessel. So I meant headwinds, Kirk, but I think you know that. And uh, just a qu- quick programming note, Chuck Malamut is making his way 
right as we speak to the palatial studios of Hurley in the Morning. Kirk, I'm not trying to, you know, be like Eddie, you know, what's a guy, Eddie Haskell, you know, you know, uh, you know, instigator here. But, you know, in case there's anything that needs to be said to Chuck, uh, he is listening. He turned off NPR to be able to listen if you have anything to say to him. Well, I'm just wondering, you know, if the Dodgers are going to let uh, Chuck go. You know, they're letting everybody else go. You know, uh, Justin Turner, Trey Turner, all these good players are just Dodgers are just letting them go like they're having a fire sale. Chuck might be next. Well, I'm worried about that. And I'll tell you, because we now live in this star chamber, uh, Soviet style country where you can just make any allegation. Uh, I think when Chuck arrives at the studio on air, He's going to have to pledge his allegiance to the Philadelphia Eagles because I'm just making this up, Kirk. But I think it's fair to call that into question. This is the country we now live in. You don't have any problem with that allegation, do you? Yeah. No, I believe I heard him last year say he was uh, switching from the Eagles to the Las Vegas Raiders. Well, I I think he'll have to be questioned. And he'll have to probably sign some type of, you know, restatement, some new loyalty oath uh, to the green. Uh, Oh, incidentally, on a serious note, because this is all just brotherly love. On a serious note, when Jalen Hurts got crushed on that play where he made the first down and he couldn't slide because he needed the forward progress to get the first down. I said to my son-in-law, I said, that's what I've been, I mean, just the whole season, holding my breath that that kind of thing doesn't happen. Jalen Hurts, Eagles Nation out there, Jalen Hurts, is his status is unknown for the Dallas game. Uh, I, I, I have to tell you, I think I've been reading a lot about this guy. He is the first one there. He's the last one to leave. He's always working. I think you'd have to put him in a body bag for him not to play. But um, so I'm I'm going to I'm just going to stick my neck out and say somehow, some way he's going to play. But he has a he has a sprained shoulder. I should know this, but I don't. Uh, I shudder to say I think it's probably his right. Um, Either is bad, though. You don't want to have either shoulder, but certainly you don't want the right shoulder for a right hand passer. But uh, that's something to be worried about, Kirk. Yeah, he got the. He was sideways. Right shoulder was on the ground. Left shoulder was up, and then the guy crushed him. The worst. And that's the same thing that happened to Goddard. You know, and the shoulders are the most vulnerable thing on the players anymore. You know, with their training regimen, they've strengthened, you know, their legs and their their torso, but the shoulders are still vulnerable. Somebody told me that Jalen Hurts can squat 600 pounds or something. Am I hallucinating? Yeah. I mean, this guy's a monster. Unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that's just incredible. Hundreds and hundreds of pounds. So this is this is what I'm talking about. Now, no offense, but if the Eagles are lining up with Gardner Minshew, Kirk, give me a break. Yeah, yeah Minshew mania only uh, lasted uh, a few games. I know. The stash. <laughs> the 1970s mustache. Yeah. Oh, so anyhow, yeah, well. we, we, we went far afield. Uh, let me ask you, CPI numbers come out. They're two-tenths, I think, of a percent better than w- was the forecast. Uh, but Chairman Powell comes out. He craps all over the, 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 the stage. Uh, I'll, you know, clean up in aisle six. And uh, his language just 
devastated the markets. Yeah, it's it, let's put it this way. I've said it before. There's been 10 inflationary periods in, uh, in the U.S. since 1930. And to reduce the uh, inflation by two and a half percent in those 10 periods, the Fed caused a recession nine out of 10 times. Mm. The one time they reduced inflation by two and a half percent without uh, was, you know, right after World War II, when you had a lot of other things, you know, supply things were coming online and, uh, you know, you had a lot of positive things to prevent it. But anyway, it, it's... Um, unfortunate that Powell is taking this aggressive approach and what's real unfortunate is he's not taking into consideration how in not only is inflation insidious uh, damaging to you know uh, the working people of this country but interest rates you know cars are financed homes are financed uh, you have consumer loans all these things are now off the table. People are slowing down buying cars. The housing market's slowing way down. Government debt is is costing more and more and more. And it's a very um, dangerous scenario because raising the interest rates also affects the supply side. Mm. Businesses borrow money to expand their plants and equipment and and to make themselves more productive and to produce more goods. And you have to have increased supply in addition to, you know, cooling demand a bit to make inflation uh, go away. And they're just, no one's doing the right thing, I don't think. And you've got, you know, the market is shaky, housing market's going down, consumer confidence is has decreased uh, the last six months. It clicks down every month, according to the conference board. So there's some real danger signs. And, yeah, um, China's slowing down. I mean, everybody's slowing down, and yet Powell says we need more interest rates. I don't think so. Mm. I think he's overplayed it. Just like every Fed chairman, they've they've always overplayed their hand when it comes to fighting inflation. And the worst part about this whole scenario is the fact that Four and a half trillion of reckless government unnecessary spending by the Biden administration caused the inflation. Yeah, it's also crippled the Fed. Yeah, the Fed's the only one. Well, it's, it's given them, and Chuck has made this comment many times on his show. Uh, and for those listening, Chuck will be coming up in about nine minutes. Uh, this is all he has left. This is literally all that the Fed has left to do is to bring the pain. Right, and they're doing it. Yep. Yeah, uh, normally they'd be able to control the money supply by um, with their open market committee. You know, they'd be uh, selling bonds from their portfolio, which soaks up cash, takes it out of circulation, and that would revalue the dollar, and inflation would go down. They can't do that. All they have is interest rates, yep. and interest rates cause pain. They yeah, call. I mean they want to they want to cause. Uh Rifts, you know, reduction in workforce. They they're looking to bring pain. Kirk, let's uh, put the um, financial stuff on hold. Chuck's going to pick that ball up in just a few minutes, and let me read something into the record. And once again, nobody will say I, I've never seen such sloppy reporting. I've been trying to find out for I can't say um, I've strained myself, but I've tried to find out 
is this his right shoulder or his left shoulder? I've just defaulted to say that it's his right shoulder, but I have no evidence of this. And what I'm about to read to you also doesn't prove anything about which shoulder it is. But uh, it sounds like Kirk knows it's his right shoulder. Uh, headline reads, Jalen Hurts suffered significant injury during Sunday's game. It reads, Jalen Hurts suffered a sprained shoulder. Doesn't tell you which one. In the Philadelphia Eagles game against the Chicago Bears on Sunday, Mike Garofolo reported on Monday, it is not considered a long-term injury, thank God. Hertz was injured late in the third quarter when Bears defensive end Travis Gibson hit him into the ground, Adam Schefter said. His status for the game Saturday against the Dallas Cowboys is uncertain. Backup quarterback Gardner Minshew could start. Um it, the the social media post by Garofola says Eagles QB Jalen Hurts suffered a sprained shoulder in yesterday's game against the Bears. Sources tell me it's not considered a long-term injury. Hurts, uh, this is not him, but it, it goes on to say in the article, is having an MVP caliber season. The 24-year-old's thrown for 3,472 yards, 22 touchdowns, and five interceptions this season. Most of them was in the, uh, in the Bears game. Uh, he's rushed for 747 yards and 13 touchdowns. Hurts injury could explain the dramatic shift of the Eagles-Cowboys betting line. In just a few hours, the line changed from favoring the Cowboys to win by two points to now five points. Kirk, uh, about 15 seconds left. Thanks for a great hour. Go Eagles. I hope that Hurts uh, is going to be able to play on Christmas Eve. or uh, Yeah, Christmas Eve, but it, it remains in doubt right now. Good to visit with you, Kirk. Yeah, he, thanks, Harry. Always a pleasure to be on the program. And remember, he got up from that tackle and threw two bullet passes. I know. So maybe it's not his right shoulder. I yeah. hope. I hope. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. Remember what I said. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground. To the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're back. It's six minutes past the hour. Chuck Malamud is here. Uh, before I ring in the festivities, we did have a Star Chamber hearing uh, during the uh, commercial break. Uh, Kirk, it is learned and confirmed Chuck Malamut is indeed a Philadelphia Eagles fan. Uh, this program is presented by Chuck Malamut, a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. The information views and opinions expressed are those of Chuck Malamut and do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley or its affiliates. They are current as of the date of this broadcast and subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed herein constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. This presentation is for informational purposes only. Morgan Stanley Smith Barney, member SIPC, Chuck Malamut. Good morning. Morning, Harry. How are you? I'm well. Good to see you. Good, good. I hope Kirk's doing okay. (laughs) He's doing well. (laughs) Hope his stocking stuff. Hope give him stocking stuff for full of coal, but that's okay. <laughs> all good thing, all good things. And Justin, you guys can make fun of me all day long. It's not a problem. Um, I just, as you notice, what color is my shirt today? Blue. 
and I did put that on purpose. I, I had that or white, so I decided blue probably be better for you guys. You put blue on purpose. I did. Good. I did. So handsome. Uh, Very handsome. So Harry, I, I think you said it oh so well in, in the last hour. Um, yeah, I. Uh, Kirk I, said he can't Biden banned coal. <laughs> he can't have coal in his stocking. He would have. He would have complied. It's banned. We'll find something. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Chuck. As you said, Harry, in in the in the last hour, a, a, last week, a, a really a long week uh, in in the markets. It was, you know, we began the week with a lot of promise. I know, you know for equities, uh, uh, you know, and it ended the way that uh, unfortunately oftentimes ends ended this year in 2022. You know, deep in negative territory. Uh, on Friday, the, the S&P was down 1.1% for the day, uh, and it finished the week down over 2%. The NASDAQ fell 1% on Friday as well and was down 2.7% for the week. And, and again, uh, you know, both those indexes, you know, were down for th- for three consecutive days, which we now moved into yesterday for four consecutive days Um you know, after some really big moves on Monday and and Tuesday, and you know those that are on you know in the bear market world, uh, you know, are saying this what we witnessed in the beginning of the week was nothing other than a bear market rally. You know, um, you, you know, CPI came, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. You know, the Federal Reserve raised rates for the seventh, you know, seventh consecutive time on Wednesday. And and Chairman Powell, you know, was very hawkish in his commentaries about the need to fight inflation. Uh, and that was basically where the market pivoted. And it wasn't too terribly bad on, on Wednesday. Uh, but as we got to the latter part of the week, Thursday and Friday, it, it, it did cause some, you know, obviously a lot of negative effects. So, you know, we, we have, you know, we've two weeks, not even two weeks, Harry, to make up some ground for 2022. You know, you think about last year, the the high of the market in 2022, Harry, was the first trading day mm. of wow. 2022, which was wow. January 3rd. And, and um, Is this, so, does this qualify? We're saying a long week. Was this a long year? Harry, this was. Uh, yeah, it was. It, it was financially. A, it, wise. We'll, we'll, and we'll get into that a little a little bit later. Okay. But, you know, the other you know, the other uh the other item that came to the market, data that we received on Thursday, was specifically retail sales. Uh, it was down six-tenths of 1% month over month during the month of November, and that was below estimates. You know, I think the estimates were down, uh, calling out for down uh, 0.2%. I thought actually the uh, estimates were calling for robust spending, which we were going to equate to credit card, yeah. you know, so what we what, we what we saw during so what we saw with retail sales it was the largest decline in eleven months. Mm. You know while the labor market still remains tight, consumer budgets are under a lot of pressure. Uh, Is that a bad comment considering it's Christmas? I, I think what's happening, people. Yeah, I mean we you know we, we looked at we looked at Black Friday and Cyber. I think it was Cyber Monday and Giving Tuesday. And the numbers were decent. They were really they were good, but yeah. but obviously they weren't good enough. Didn't keep going. No, and and so so you have you know weak retail sales, a hawkish Fed, mm. and, and investors are look, look staring you know it, you know at themselves in the mirror and saying, look, 
we got a slowing economy, um, and, and and but it might not be enough to 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 take the Fed off its course, and and are we? Going well, to be in a position. They said they're not going off their course. Are didn't we? They? No, they're not. I mean, they say they're not. Now, so are we in a position here uh, for the? You know, we always, we've talked about the soft landing. Uh, I, I'm not quite certain that, that we're going to get there. I, so, I, don't, I don't think they're going to allow it. So when you look at when you look at the week and you and you kind of put it in perspective, and 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 go back and look at 2022 as of Friday, the best performing. Uh, indice was the Dow down seven and a half percent. The S and P was down almost eighteen. The Nasdaq over down thirty one percent. International stocks down about fifteen. Emerging markets, you know, down. International stocks down about twenty. Jeez. Best sectors. The, there's two winners. Energy up fifty seven percent. It was as high as seventy five percent. It's given some back. And the price of a gallon of gasoline keeps coming yep. down. The, the utilities up seven tenths of one percent for the year. Third best performing sector, consumer staples, down w- less than one percent. On the flip side, and there's been really no change for 2022. Worst performing, worst performing sectors: cons- communication services, uh, consumer discretionary, and information technology down anywhere from 26 to 40 percent for the year, Harry. And we always talk about the 10-year Treasury um, down, believe it or not, 14% year-to-date. Uh, and that's, you know, imagine buying a bond with a coupon, looking to collect your coupon, and all of a sudden your principal value is down 15% over the course of the year. So it's been – this has been a, obviously a very, 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 very difficult year for uh, all investors, whether you're talking retail, institutional, hedge funds, private equity – uh, there's a unfortunately there's a lot of blood on the street, and I mean there's a lot of blame game going on. Uh, but I, I think it you know it all kind of starts at the top, yeah. and it trickles down from there. Chuck, I'm privy to your agenda, so I knew I could say to your audience that you were going to have a very sobering presentation this morning. And there's a lot more uh, after the break. We'll be back with Chuck Malamut. I am yours truly. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And we're back. It's uh, 17 minutes past the hour. Chuck Malama continues all about your financial matters Monday, December 19th, another day. Another day, another sell-off, oh. Harry. And, it, and so th- that marked four days in a row. And it seems as if every time, and I, you know, every time Powell speaks of late, it just the market has a very, very difficult time. Uh, you well, know, he's dropping the hammer lately. He's, he's, he's a different, he's really going at this. Yeah, so Harry, there were no, there were no big catalysts yesterday, but stocks slid into neg- negative territory. Early in the day, we couldn't uh, we couldn't mount much of a comeback until the closing bell. We did we did regain uh, some of our mojo. The Nasdaq was down one and a half percent. The Dow was down about one half of one percent. Uh, and again, the fourth consecutive day of declines. And, and it, so, Terry, what did you? One of the things you asked me last last week, and and uh, and I did not answer your question. And you said to me, Chuck, are we going to see a Santa Claus rally? Yes. And in a typical year, you know, stocks should be heading higher right about now uh, for this so-called Santa Claus rally. You know, 
the stretch that usually begins on or around December 23rd, and you look at the last five trading days of the year and the first two trading days of of, of the next year, 2023, the S&P 500, Harry, on average, has, has had a gain of about 1.4% per year. And that goes all the way back, Harry, to 1950. Um, and and this works about 80% of the time. Mm. Um, and, and and looking at the NASDAQ, um, that gain is about 1.8% 1. 1. during that same period. So it looks as if right now, Harry, uh, I am fairly certain we're not going to get there this year. We're not going to. We're going to be part of that twenty percent crowd, and not get that Santa Claus rally. You know, stocks, you know, are defying that. You know, that long term trend uh, because there's obviously more worries each and every day about <laughs> about heading into a recession. You know, early next year. I think that you've said it, and Kirk has said it, and I. I agree with you guys. I think we're there already, mm. although statistically, and I'm not sure what the statistics are, are telling us otherwise. You know, one of the other things that happened, Harry, we talked about this uh, previously, you know, what, what threw a lot of cold water on the markets yesterday. Um, you know, there were a couple of economic data points that hit. The Nash, the NAHB Home Builder Index uh, missed, missed estimates, and it, it, it fell to 31. And, Harry, that was the 12th straight decline and the lowest level we have seen since 2012 you know xing out obviously the those you know those few pandemic affected months um you know economists you know harry did expect some improvement uh because we did have mortgage rates were slightly lower during the month but consumer you know consumer weaknesses right now seems to be holding you know holding that in instead now we talk about the Fed. Uh, the, the good news for the Fed is that rate hikes are clearly making an impact here. There's no doubt about it. It's in the housing market. It's tight. It's hard to get money. Uh, the, the higher cost of borrowing is really, you know, caused demand destruction across the board. Uh, you know, the, the, the Fed wants to see those uh, rate-related demand cuts move beyond housing. And at some point, they will. And that's why there's worries about a recession are more widespread now than they were previously. Because they seem to um, be 100 percent committed to not stopping until it does happen. Yeah, I mean, and, and so, they're, in, they're so, all in. Here's something I don't think they should have said, Chuck. I want to get your take on this. And it's on your agenda. The Fed vows no cuts in 2023. Why, why would they say something like that more than a full year before? I mean, I, I'd like them to say something like uh, no cuts uh, for the foreseeable future, no cuts until further notice. Why do they commit to a whole year? What if market forces? Well, this, this is this is all about the. the so let, let, let's take a step back okay. here for a second. So on, on so the Fed came on Wednesday. They made the announcement of fifty basis points. The mark going into that. The market, you know, was higher. Yeah, expecting, you know, maybe a pivot. Uh, so the, the half point increase, you know, was expected, uh, but the hawkish forecasts for this the terminal rate, you know, uh, all around inflation, you know, really got the market, 
you know, to, to begin to sell off. I thought it was some of the harshest language that he's ever used. So the target ban Harry stands at now was at four and a half to initially before the meeting, four and a half to four and three quarters. The, the median forecast that these FOMC members increased that to 5.1% in 2023, higher than the median number that was set at 4.6. Now you may say, well, 4.6, 5.1, it's not a big deal. It's 50 basis points. It's a big move, Harry. So even though we have seen this softer inflation readings in these recent months, the committee raised its outlook for core CPI to 3.5%, and it was 31 And this is where it really came down. So at the post-meeting press conference, uh, Powell stressed that in 2023, the central bank is not going to focus on rate rate cuts, but instead on making policy restrictive enough to bring inflation down to its 2% target. So even though we have seen these softer inflation uh, readings of, of, of late, Powell said, quote, the, or Powell said, the Fed has, quote, a ways to go, end of quote, to return to price stability and labor markets remain tight. So the, they're looking, obviously, Harry, for more unemployment. There's, yeah. There's, there's no doubt about that. So, so the, you know, future markets, you know, the, 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 the bet on this, and Kirk said it well, and we're going to cover a little bit later, um, you, know, you know, they're really skeptical that the, the Fed's going to be able to raise rates as much as they forecast and hold them at these peak levels for as long as they envision, because I, th- I think, Harry, it's going to create, you know, economic destruction, you know, uh, across all industries, whether it's big business or small business. And you're, you're seeing it now in big business with, you know, with layoffs, it, it, you know, uh, in the financial services sector. I mean, there's been a number of announcements, it's true. you know, including Re- our firm, real estate and, re- and real estate. And, you know, now it's all about, you know, can the consumer hold up, which it's not happening? And, you know, because they're thinking, you know, Harry, are they going to, you know, am I going to be employed tomorrow? You know, are they going to come in and say, okay, you know, we're having job cuts. We're really sorry we're not making the money that we had forecasted and we have to tighten up here. The day the quiet quit and the employee feeling like they had the employer by the short hairs. That's about to change, isn't it, uh, Harry? I think that's over. I think that's that's long in the rearview mirror. I, if you're not if you're not getting yourself to work and you're not being productive, you know you you have a think about it, you got you have a target on your back. There's there's no doubt about that. Mm-mm-mm. Wow. Uh, next item, the ECB. Yeah. So r- right alongside, you know, the Fed, the, the ECB came back on the next day and they raised their deposit rate a half of. You know, 50 basis points to 2% on Thursday. And that was, you know, that was expected. And and um, so the, the ECB needs to do more than the markets are pricing right now. And the central bank raised their 2023 inflation forecast to 6.3%. It was at 5.5% in September. Again, inflation risks. Uh, you know, are, are due to the upside. Growth risks are obviously on the downside. Again, they're going to go through this quantitative tightening. Uh, it's going to begin at Mar- in March area of next year, uh, the bank said. So it's not just it's sort of the shot heard around the world. It's not just here in the U.S. It's everywhere. And I think Kirk summed it up ever 
so well and you know as we got to the end of the last hour it was that you know you think about it, you push four trillion out you just here's this it's like a, it's a sugar high and we're coming down from it and we have to pay for it and we we said it every tuesday morning with kirk we've said it every tuesday morning with you when all this was happening and they kept making this stuff with names that i mean for example the the inflation reduction act is a climate bill I mean, this is this is such a um, a betrayal of the American taxpayer. We said from the beginning, you cannot raise trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars and not cause this runaway inflation that we've had. This was this was not um, something where you could just make a guess and think like something is going to happen. This was the natural result of what was being done, Harry. I, I think we all agree uh, that the first uh, release of funds to the taxpayers, you know, and, and because of what was happening with COVID. It was unprecedented, and was, I agree, and I supported that, but it never but then stopped. Then when you got to rounds two, three, and four. And they were making, they were saying it was something it wasn't, which really is. But they always do that. I I agree they always do that, but this was, I think, chutzpah at a level that we haven't seen before. I mean, to call something inflation reduction that any neutral, dispassionate person looking at it would say, wait a minute, that's not only not going to reduce inflation, that's going to increase inflation. It's It's a lie. It's the exact opposite of what they say, and we're paying the price. Harry, we're going to, yeah, we are paying the price. I mean, can we actually say with like almost certainty 2023? Is going to be a really bad year. Twenty twenty, and we'll cover this next week because I, I one I have sort of a summation of of twenty twenty two and some forecasts for twenty twenty three, and and we'll we'll get into the, we'll get deep into the weeds next week. But I think twenty twenty three is going to be a very challenging year. Don't be at all surprised if the first several months, maybe even the first six months, we we are in negative territory, and then we will come out of that as we get you know through. You know the remainder of the year, and it's going to be all about. We should think about this now. We've we've talked about rate. You know, they, they, we we shifted from rates to inflation, and now it's all going to be about company earnings. Mm. It's all you know the earnings forecasts that are out there that these strategists and economists have, for the most part, um, are are you know have been ra- have been ratcheted down, but they need to come down further, and we're not. We'll see that, Harry. I think in the announcement of fourth quarter earnings um and as as you know uh, these companies have conference calls you know after their earnings announcements and uh and they oftentimes you know give some forward-looking guidance and don't be at all surprised if you see or hear that you know uh during those conference calls i I think you're going to get a lot of it harry as we get into 2023 wow we uh, made a comment before Chuck's program today that I just knew by the agenda that this was going to be a very, very sobering presentation. And indeed it is. Uh, we'll be back with Chuck in just a moment. Please don't go away. Uh, the holidays are a joyous time of year to share with friends and family. It's also a time to remember that drinking and driving don't mix. For over 20 years, the John R. Elliott Hero Campaign for Designated Drivers has sought to save lives by promoting the use of safe and sober designated drivers this holiday season. Please join Margie and me and all of us here on the Hurley in the Morning program by supporting the Hero Campaign's life-saving mission. If you are a bar 
tavern or restaurant owner, you can help by becoming a hero establishment and offering to serve free soft drinks to hero designated drivers. Just go to herocampaign.org and press the hero bars and taverns button. Check to see if you are on the list of Jersey Shore heroes. If not, simply fill out the online form and you'll have your name added to the list. Be a hero today and keep us all safe. On behalf of Bill and Muriel Elliott and the John R. Elliott Hero Campaign for Designated Drivers, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, and we'll be back with Chuck Malamut in just a moment. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And it's still me with three stories that you can follow on our WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. Steve Smoger, attorney, former Atlantic City judge, former uh, elite world-class boxing referee, has passed away. And we've written a very nice story about Steve, who was a good friend uh, to me personally and to the area. The Atlantic City area and New Jersey stores that we loved for so many years that are now closed forever. Check that out. And a rock and roll legend, Charlie Gracie. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Overall, today's weather looks very similar to yesterday's. Mostly sunny, dry, and chilly. Winds will be a bit lighter today, too. I'll give you a high of 41 this afternoon. Mainly clearing cold tonight, low 26. Sun and clouds and 43 tomorrow. Then our next storm system rolls in on Thursday. First raindrops in the afternoon and early evening. Rain gets really heavy with gusty winds Thursday night. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Have you been naughty or nice this year? Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. We're back. It's 37 minutes past the hour. Uh, Chuck Malama continues talking all about your financial matters. This yield curve always um, catches my attention when you address this, Chuck, because it's been so determinative over so many years that inverted yield curve, I forget, you know, a vast percentage of the time, an inverted yield curve leads to a recession. It does, Harry. And it's so, and what the the definition of the inverted yield curve is when your two-year treasury note is yielding uh, more than your 10-year treasury. And we've been there for, for quite some time. So the curve has been inverted. And, Harry, if you look back during the month of November, uh, you know, our U.S. yield curve inverted to its steepest point, meaning the spread, what was the spread between the 10-year, the two-year and the 10-year, meaning that the two-year was yielding three-quarters of a percent more than a 10-year, as a, as a, for instance. So that's the, you know, that's the spread as it's referred to, or that's the steepest point. And, Harry, that's what we have seen now. The steepest point in over in the last forty years. Mm. So I don't know when we're getting to a recession because all I mean the bond market is certainly saying we're we're getting there, and I think that you we all agree I think we're there. But you know, Harry, this yield curve inversion is not just impacting us here in the U.S. Uh, the German yield curve has also inverted for the first time. Since 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 they reunited, you know, Eastern and Western, you know, Germany. So you think about that. It's, it, you know, it's not just here. This is, you know, it's it's we're seeing this everywhere. Um, 
you know, across the globe. Joining us right after the top of the hour break, Michael Harrison. Michael Harrison is the founder, the publisher, the editor of Talkers Magazine, which is affectionately known as the Bible of Talk Radio in America. This is our annual year in review and the state of the talk radio industry discussion with Michael Harrison. It's one of my favorite hours of the entire year. I can't believe we're to, to the end of the year again. This is a dichotomy because on one hand, it's been a brutally long financial, uh, painful uh, year, but it has gone fast time-wise, Chuck. Harry, I, I think... It's flown by. I, I think as, I think as we become older, it's just sort of a natural Every phenomenon year. that each year... Uh, you know, just moves by ever so quickly. It does. And it's, um, it's, yeah, this year was light speed. It's hard to believe that Christmas is this weekend. Um, Santa's going to bring you, you know, lots of football winners. I'm, I'm Thank you, totally Chuck. convinced of that. Thank you. It's going to bring Kirk what he needs, <laughs> which is, you know, a, a, some really good Philadelphia teams. There's, uh, so I, I think Santa's going to be good to everybody this year. Now, a lot, do you think Santa is going to give Jalen Hurts, uh, to the fans, or would the smart thing to do be to sit him because there's so much more to go? It's terrible to just give this game. I don't want to say you're giving it away. Gardner Minshew is professional, but the team is completely different with him at quarterback. All the run options that Jalen Hurts has. Jalen Hurts is so good, you don't know when he's handed the ball off and when he keeps it. He's he's. It's like a college-type uh feel well, you, the look, way he does you, that you don't know the extent of the injury and i think you said it ever so well that the line moved very quickly actually um the eagles were one point the line's initially, acting were, like he's not playing yeah, the, the eagles were initially one point uh, underdog which turned to a six point underdog yeah. very quickly so um i don't know anything about the game i don't know anything about coaching per se but i think that the game is meaningless and you just sit the guy i i would do that too you have no reason to, you have no reason to play him no, none at all. If you needed to clinch to get into the playoffs, um, losing without him would not even change. I don't think any of the um, the momentum that the Eagles have and him having that rest. Um, I, th- I think that's probably what we're going to see because the Eagles. That's the the thing about earning that with a thirteen and one record. You earn the flexibility to be able to do that kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I don't think you see him. And yeah, Harry, I wouldn't be surprised you don't see him for a couple of weeks. Oof. Yeah, I could see that too. And um, you know, let's kind of circle back to one of the things that that you guys spoke about about last hour. And um, you, you know, can inflation come down without having a recession? And I and I think Kirk stole my thunder here a little bit, but that's okay. I'll kind of I'll kind of pile on. So. You know, while it looks like inflation is easing, you know, we we ended up at 7.1% year over year and everybody applauded. It was great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 7.1 is, is a far cry, far cry from the forecast of where they want to get to two. And, you know, if you go back, Harry, all the way to 1958, you know, core CPI has never come down. From a rate above five percent, that's we're obviously above five percent now, without causing a recession. Well, so. I mean, you look at every single thing is telegraphing. See, I think in the end it's going to wind up being—I don't know if it's by definition double dip, but I think we're going to have two recessions by like the third quarter of next year. 
I think we're going to see that there was a recession from here to here in 2022 and a recession in 2023. Yeah, I think, we're, I, I think, I think you're right. I think we're not going to know about being in recession until we're out of the recession. Yeah. Um, it's just, I think, I don't want to say it's a play on words, but it's it certainly... Well, it's how is, they do it. It's very painful, yeah. you know, for all of us living through it. You know, high prices at the, at the pump, at the stores. Um, you know, the only thing that's held up are wages. And, Harry, I think that's going to come down as well. I mean, that's what the Fed is looking for. They're looking to inflict that pain you know, in the labor force. The employer is about to take a big advantage over the employee, aren't they? I think the employer actually already has, Harry. I mean, I think the employer, I mean, you think about the We talked about on the break, the quiet quitting. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I think that is, I think that's, that's, you know, come and gone. Yeah. Uh, For those who don't know what the quiet quit is, it's, it's really insidious. It's sick. Anybody that did it, you should be ashamed of yourselves. Quiet quit means you go to work, you do as little as you can without getting fired. Uh, guess what? If that's been your um, motivation, if that's been your daily charge every day when you wake up, you're about to get your ass canned. That's about what's going to happen because employers are not going to be putting up with that uh, even a little bit. Chuck, this is truly a tale of two cities, the S&P 500. Yeah, so Harry, again, S&P 500, market weighted, market capitalization weighted index, meaning the larger companies, you know, carry a larger percentage of, of the return of the index. And Harry, so if you look at the, at the end of November, if you take the top 10 stocks in the S&P 500, their return uh, year to date was down 30%. Okay? Mm-hmm. But think about this. The market's down about 18, the S&P 500. Because, Harry, what has happened, the the 490 stocks, you know, that are beneath the top 10, Harry, actually had a return of minus 9%. So, again, that calls out for diversification and to make certain that you, you know, that you have, you know, you, you know, you have your portfolio in the right direction um, because some of these big cap tech names obviously drag down the index, but there's a lot of the smaller names, the the quality of value stocks paying dividends that helped, you know, that helped, you know, help the market in 2022. This sounds like just a total softball meatball question, but I'm going to say this to you for a quick comment. We'll get our final break in. Then we'll come back with much more important content. Your Financial Matters with Chuck Malamut. Isn't now more than ever and going into 2023 now more than ever important to sit down with your Chuck Malamut, your financial advisor, about proper asset allocation? Harry, not only proper asset allocation, but, you know, within the asset allocation, what we call the size and style. You know, what percentage of your equities are invested in? You know, large cap value, mid cap value, small cap value versus growth, and the and what we are working through right now, and sort of at a at a fast and furious pace, is uh, year end. You know, year end is right around the corner, and if you're sitting there with realized gains in your taxable accounts <laughs> or large capital gain distributions that you might not even be aware of because you're not paying attention, people are going to be flipping out when they find uh, that out you're, if you're they gonna, don't. You're going to have you're going to have some real serious problems come April. So, by the way, this is important, and you have covered this over the past several weeks in particular. But really, you mentioned it a lot on your show. Don't assume that because it's a down year. 
that you don't have gains. If you have a large cap growth fund that owns a fair amount of technology, chances are they paid out, they might have paid out or have paid out a fairly healthy capital gain distribution because they're required to do so. And and what that ha- and what happens is you don't increase the valuation of the position. You just change your cost basis on a, on going forward because it it, it 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 increases your overall basis. But in the meantime, you get hit with what is called phantom income. Yeah, you have, oh, you have that's going to be hard I mean, for people uh, to swallow. Imagine so the year. Imagine you have a hundred thousand dollars invested in a growth fund and they pay out. A ten percent capital gain distribution. You still have a hundred thousand invested, yeah. but you now get a tax bill oh. for ten thousand dollars that you probably could have avoided, maybe not its entirety, yep. but reduced it. So if you haven't looked, you really need to do that, Harry, because we're time is starting to run really short here. Which is why I say call Chuck Malamut at six zero nine three eight three twenty ten with Chuck. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM. 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you. Great one. We are back. It's approaching 54 minutes past the hour. I just had like, I felt like Vince Lombardi was just in the studio, uh, Chuck. I, I, the I pep my, talk I, I got my, my, has restored all my faith. He's got my heart rate Woo! moving as if I was working out, Harry. That was, fan, that no was a Peloton so, uh, session. So, uh, how about venture capital deals, Chuck? What's so, going on? So venture, ca- Harry, this year uh, it was tough for any part of the financial services industry uh, or the sector, so to speak. So if if you look at uh, venture capital deals, Harry, they were down almost forty five percent year over year, and that was through the first eleven months of two thousand twenty two. Uh, Harry, that's the large, the sharpest drop we have seen in venture capital investments in more than two decades. Jeez, including and that included Harry the thirty five percent collapse that we saw after the 2008 financial crisis. And obviously, you know, rising interest rates, you know, have put a premium on capital. It's tough to get money right now. Uh, And and again, that has created a headwind, not a tailwind. I know. I I fixed it. (laughs) But a headwind for the industry. So, again, another industry, you know, having lots of problems because of these increased interest rates in an effort to get inflation down to 2%. I don't think, Harry, we get inflation to two. I think the Fed should be satisfied initially with, you know, three, three and a half, yeah. four. And then, yeah. and then let it just happen over time. Let it improve over time. Because uh, I, I think there's the chance they're going to bring too much pain on too fast. I th- yeah. Is that a fair comment from a layperson? Yeah, I think it's I think it's more than fair, and I think Harry, we're there already. Yeah, I, I mean, think you, so too. I mean, you think of we talked about housing, we've talked about retail. Uh, you, you you talk about you know people, and you you said it ever so well. Uh, even though retail sales are down, I think where's the money coming from? A lot of it's coming off of credit cards. Yeah. And then that's going to be a problem on the other side. You know, it's just it's sort of you know the old kicking the can down the road. But you know, Harry, when you're kicking, you're not. You don't have a lot of room to kick the can here. 
Uh, Can we skip past hedge funds? Because I love talking real estate with Malamut. House flipping was something that people were just going gangbusters. You could buy anything and fix it. And it was almost like a liquid asset. You could sell it within 30 days, usually within days. Um, what's happened with house flipping? So again, you know, Harry, more of the same here. I mean, when you look, there were uh, there were 92,000 U.S. Uh, single-family homes or condos that were flipped in the third quarter of 2022. Uh, Harry, that is a uh, that represents about seven and a half percent of all houses, home sales that uh, you know for the quarter, and that was actually down. It was about eight and a half percent the quarter before that. Uh, the medium price on these flippers, Harry, was about three hundred and ten thousand dollars, and that's down about seven percent uh, from the previous quarter. And uh, this is, I think, this is very interesting. the The average profit. On these flipping on the houses that are flipped, it's about sixty thousand. That's down twenty percent, Harry. Okay, so the margins are getting really cut here because it was about seventy-eight thousand a quarter before that. Harry, the largest quarterly decline in gross profits since guess what year, two thousand and nine. So, in so um, you know, know what that means. <laughs> so sixty-three percent, Harry of the homes that were flipped were cash only. And what do you think the number of days to flip? You said it'd be, how many days do you think on average to flip a house now? It, now, it's got to, ha- had to have gone up. Jeez. Um, I, I mean, I said under 30 before, uh, 45 days? Not even close. 163. How did this happen? 163 days to flip With a house. With supply being as tight as it is. My goodness. Yeah, so but supply's tight, but you can't get money. So it's half a year. You, If you flip a house, you're sitting on whatever it is. If you have a construction loan, whatever you have going on, if you're cash, you, then you're just still sitting on a waiting. That's half a year. It is. So that's that's going to totally depress the house flipping sector because who wants to do that? Hey, and you don't even know what it's going to look like in 180 days. We're running out of time, right? Yeah, we are. So let, let, let's end this on a on a happy note. Oh, thank All God. Right? This might be the most depressing Malamut hour it's in not, 31 no, no, years. No, no, it's not, Harry, it's, it's, so let, let, for those parents that are paying tuition for your children to go to college. Oh, I know where you're going. The 10. Party college Harry, time. The 10, with the 10 best party colleges right now. Number 10, University of Illinois. Number nine, USC. Woo! Number eight, Syracuse. Hold on, I got to get my list here. Should have been a little bit You're better. You're all right. Organized. You got thirty seconds. You're good. Number seven, University of Georgia. Number six, University of Wisconsin. Number five, Howard University. Number four, Alabama. Number three, Florida State. Tulane rings the bell at number two. Number one, University of California, Santa Barbara. Wow. So keep your kids out of California, Harry. Wow. Chuck Malamut, 609-383-2010. For Enjoy all your, your financial matters. Harry, Merry Christmas. Great holidays. Same to you, You, Pam, Frankie, Marley. Uh, we'll be back. Don't go away. Michael Harrison. Atlantic City, WENJHD3, Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the World's Playground... 
to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Say that again? Live from the studios huh? of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.4. All right, here we go. It's six minutes past the hour. Let's make it count because it's one of our biggest hours of our broadcast year. It's always towards the very end of the year. I think we always regale. It's hard to believe how fast Chuck Malamut and I just talked about it, and I'll mention it to Michael Harrison, who's here now, how fast this year has gone by. Even though there's been a lot of challenges, a lot of stuff, uh, it has flown by. And we're looking at, what, a couple of days before Christmas and uh, right smack in the third day of Hanukkah. I mean, it's just incredible. Uh, Michael Harrison is here, founder, publisher, editor of Talkers Magazine. And this is a same time next year appointment. Michael has spent more than 50 years in radio, both as an on-air talk radio host and a rock radio uh, DJ, as a station manager, as a program director, and as a station owner. Talkers Magazine is a trade industry publication that is affectionately known and literally known as the Bible of talk radio and the new talk media. We'll chat about that because certainly from a new talk media standpoint, I mean, we're just going at the speed of life. It's incredible. Uh, Talkers Magazine covers radio, talk shows, uh, broadcasting, cable television, as well as Internet shows and podcasting. They're on the web at talkersmagazine.com. The man I've nicknamed Babe Ruth, and I don't think anybody said it before I did, uh, is here. Michael Harrison, welcome back to Hurley in the Morning. Great to present you. It's always, it's always uh, a humbling experience to be int- uh, introduced by you, Harry, and I appreciate your kind words. You, well, you're, you're too kind, Harry. I don't think so. I think all earned, and it's my honor to speak those words. So mm. this is our annual year-end special. But before we get into some of the biggest stories of 2022, and we're going to review talk radio the year in review, we're going to review the state of talk radio, and a whole lot more radio going forward Tell us the latest to Talkers Magazine. Well, Talkers is uh, coming to the end of a year, and like everybody else, we're all sitting and going, where did the year go? And we're dealing with our year-end stuff. Uh, We're looking ahead to next year and uh, trying to figure out where radio and its associated platforms will be. And uh, the very definition of radio is something that changes at the speed of light. I mean, it's amazing. Um, So, so, you know, we're radio-centric, but um, finding the center of the universe that is radio at this point is no easy task. We, um, We have different arms of the uh, publication we put it we, we do an annual convention we plan to do that again this year um, we'll, we'll be announcing that shortly and um, our book division talkers books has a um, a quasi bestseller on its hands um, with um, actually written by somebody that's a native son of um, the Garden State uh, a former professor at Ramapo College um, uh, professor emeritus um, uh, Murray Sabrin has written a book called uh, From Immigrant to Public Intellectual and American Story, and it's about his uh, lifelong um, dabbling in libertarianism, which is a, a kiss and cousin to conservatism uh, in the radio business. And um, it's number one on a number of Amazon uh, lists, and uh, we published it, so I'm excited about that. That is neat. Yeah, I was going to say, Murray Sabrin, we go back, well, we go back my entire broadcasting career, very interesting guy isn't he? 
Oh, he's fascinating. Yeah. He's a champion. He's a champion of a certain ideology. It's an ideology that some people consider to be maybe a little bit too idealistic, but it's a good compass. Libertarianism is a good compass for us all to keep in mind. It connects us to the roots of the nation in terms of the founding fathers' uh, view of liberty uh, and the Declaration of Independence, the meaning of the Constitution. We don't want to go too far away from those ideas in the name of well, these are modern times and uh, the the Constitution doesn't apply anymore. Well, I love that you said that because the two-party system, I think, is a, a mess. I, I think that it rigs the game, uh, and I appreciate that comment that you just made. I vividly remember reading quite a bit George Washington and many of the, the founders, if you will. They didn't want political parties. They didn't want them at all. This happened yeah. later. And thank God that George Washington was a big enough man to refuse accepting a third term. He he was a big enough man to realize that this was more than about him because they had no experience with running a democracy no. uh, such as uh, laid out by the founding fathers in the constitution they wanted King George. Well, he set he set the standard that it would be two terms and and until FDR nobody broke that covenant. The other thing about Washington, I think even bigger than agreeing to leave after just two terms when he was so popular and basically by acclamation could have continued on and on and on. He was that popular. Uh, he could have been a king. And he turned that. Oh, he, they, they they wanted him to be king, correct? Because that that's all they understood. They're, you're either a good king or you're a bad king. Well, when a general wins and he was the prevailing general, you become king. And he said and- no. The whole point was not to have that. So you really – there's so much uh, – that's why when they rate – it isn't just that he was the first president that he seems to come out as the best uh, in many of the different surveys that are done. It's it's always Washington 1 or 1 or 2 or something like that. It's because he did things that – I mean this – who knows what what this would be like if he didn't handle the presidency the way that he did. Right. And he made and, and, and he made a number of proclamations and statements that still ring true. He said that we should avoid foreign entanglements. Now, it's hard in a shrinking global village to avoid foreign entanglements. Um, you, you know, you can't hide your head in the sand and, and be totally isolationist. But again, that word I used, a compass, it's a good ideological compass to realize that we're better off avoiding foreign entanglements than we are rush, rushing into them. And and a lot of that has been forgotten. So, uh, yeah, George Washington, the Founding Fathers, the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the words of Thomas Jefferson, these are words that are from another era that still ring true and uh, just like I said before, Talkers Magazine is trying to figure out what does radio mean in uh, 2023? What does freedom, what does liberty, what does democracy, uh, what does America mean in well, 2023? Let me, before the first break, we've got about two minutes, let me throw one of the big questions of the hour at you early on. We won't make the uh, the folks wait. Your newer electric cars, I think Tesla, for example, and some of the others, they're not going to even have an AM radio in the car. Remember how it used to be just AM, then it was AM, FM, then it was AM, FM, and you had a, a, a A-track, AM, FM, cassette, AM, FM, uh, disc, 
now no CD player in almost every uh, newer car, and you have just the um, the ability to load this stuff digitally right into the computer in your car. So it's all digital. Your phone syncs uh, to the car, and from contacts to content, it's all right there. You can be listening to Hurley in the Morning right now. You take your smartphone into the car. You start the car. It immediately flips over and, and comes out the external speakers of the car. So we you've, you've lived through all of this, Michael, at every level in, in our industry. How about um, if AM is no longer in a car, is that a big deal to you? It's a big deal, but it's not a deal breaker. We have to, this is, this, this underscores what I said before. We have to decide what is radio. Because one thing that is, is obvious based on this example you're presenting and others is that radio is not the appliance upon which it's listened to. Any more than literature is the brand of paper upon which it's printed. Or film and cinema is the brand of film or the kind of screen upon which it's shown. We have to come to the realization in the radio industry that radio is a concept, and it's not dependent upon the radio, the AM radio in the car, the FM, the shortwave. Um, Radio has to really do some self-examination and define itself for all the good things that it was aside from it having a monopoly on being heard on this magical appliance that the government regulates. Very interesting. We're going to be right back 16 minutes past the hour with Michael Harrison, the founder, the publisher, and editor of Talkers Magazine. It's our year-end review. We have much more content. Straight ahead. Stay with us. Mark Levin. Republicans are incompetent at setting up a voting system. 20 years ago, there was no 50-day early voting. Five years ago, there were no drop boxes. This was all given birth out of California, a one-party fascistic state. And then other Democrat governors pick it up. Other Democrat legislatures pick it up. They put it in place. The Republicans aren't even paying attention. Mark Levin, weeknights at 6 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hi, it's Mark Lee and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Thank you very much. Welcome back. 21 minutes past the hour. It's our annual year in review, which I love, and our state of the state, if you will, in terms of talk radio, the talk radio industry, with Michael Harrison, founder, publisher, and editor of Talkers Magazine. Michael, I made this announcement more than 30 years ago on this program that in our lifetime, not that newspapers won't exist, but that the physical newspaper will not exist. It will no longer make sense. It will no longer be profitable. It just is something that will wither on the vine and it will be done. Uh, How is that forecast looking? Well, I think that uh, we're heading there. Uh, There is no doubt. I don't know. When you use the term within our lifetime, that's a very um, flexible and subjective term. Within the lifetime of many listening to this broadcast, um, the, the younger people will live to see the day when newspapers are sort of in the same category as, uh, you know, the word is tchotchkes, books, newspapers. They're artifacts of the 20th century, uh, hurricane lamps, um, things of that nature. Hey, Michael, pick an age right now where you think, and it's a, it, this is not science, it's just an opinion, but pick an age where you think the oldest age currently 
that has never f- touched a physical newspaper? Oh, I, I think that um, teenagers, I think that today's teenagers, a good percentage of them have, have never touched never touched is, is, is too extreme, are not uh, familiar with the handling of a newspaper. Yeah. The, uh, the feel of it, the, the, the way in which it's read, um, the process that you deal with it, where you put it, how you get rid of it. Because remember, you've got to get rid of it. Um, I, I, I see, you know, we talk about immigration. I see the great immigration divide of our lifetime having nothing to do with whether you come from Mexico or Canada. or, or It has to do with what place and space and time you come from. And anybody born in uh, the 20th century is an immigrant from that place. So the immigrants still use newspapers. The natives of the 21st century, and they are becoming more and more alien to our generation as every day goes by, they have absolutely no need for books, newspapers, television as we know it, radio as we know it, going to the movies as we know it. All of these are part of the culture, the artifacts, the language of immigrants from the 20th century. So, yeah, we still we still have most of the population or a good portion of the population are immigrants from the 20th century. Therefore, these Newspapers, these movies, these these things that we're talking about are businesses. They're businesses as well as cultural entities. And as businesses, you don't throw a business out. You don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. They still make money. They still have audiences. They still have customers. Um, So they they, they still have life and viability to them. But But you do see a lot of them where they don't do the printed edition anymore, and they've gone completely digital. they're dropping like flies. Yes. I personally, I am definitely an immigrant from the 20th century. I've been in radio 54 years. Um, I don't like newspapers anymore. I don't want. I, I, I don't. I, I don't want it in my house. Yeah, I'm the same. I when I see a newspaper, immediately in my mind, obsolete. Not not the medium, the content. The content is obsolete. I, 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 you've got to be up to the second. You've got to be able to change on a dime. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke used to write about um, uh, a thing called the, um, oh, I don't remember, the flex screen or the, the, where people would be carrying around a newspaper in their pocket and it would change while you're reading the news. Wow, it would change and it seemed so far. That was in the movie uh, Back to the Future. You know, you know, a newspaper that that rewrites itself yeah. as you're reading it. Yeah. Now, how can something that is static print possibly compete with that? Have you had the experience when you're on your old PC of putting your hand on the screen and trying to make a picture bigger by by spreading by, it out? Yeah. By spreading it. Have, yeah. have you have, have you had that experience? I, I do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and they do make the, the screens now that you can do that. They make them touchscreen as well. Uh, but you're right. If you're talking about the older version, you think you can do it because it's what your mind has been, uh, you know, t- taught that this is now what you can do. You, you don't not only look, but you can actually touch and you can actually manipulate the, the content uh, in that way. Uh, 26 minutes past the hour with Michael Harrison, Talkers Magazine, founder, publisher, editor. Uh, in terms of I know that Talkers Magazine always does the biggest issues. You do it every week. So you certainly do the biggest issues of 2022. So you'll announce that when you announce that. But let's talk about some of the big issues of 2022. Pick one. Well, obviously, electoral politics. 
I mean, we, we have to, this is the first year in which we actively have been talking about two elections, three elections. We've been talking about the 2020 election. We've been talking about the 2022 midterm. And we've been talking about the 2024 presidential election. True. I mean, when do you remember in your lifetime three elections um, spanning entire terms? <laughs> it's true. The political creatures live that way. So it's new. To, it's not new to them. But that is a very good point as it relates to the speed of what I call life. Uh, the second, really, even before 2020 ended, there was focus on 2024. Oh, look at this many seats could be picked up in 2020. But then look, the, the Republicans, the Democrats are having to defend two thirds of the Senate seats in 2024. So you're right. Almost looking past the current to two years down the road. Right. The phenomenon of Donald Trump ties into electoral politics, the uh, phenomenon. Now, he may be an awful phenomenon. He may be a wonderful phenomenon, but he's a media phenomenon and a cultural one. And his legal woes and his shenanigans and his antics and adventures and his uh, trials and tribulations are major news that we talk about all the time. And, Michael, here's what else I think. I think you will agree with this point. He changed the pace of the media. The media had never worked so hard in its life. And I don't mean just the Washington press corps. Donald Trump, I'll use the term succeeded, uh, achieved, however you want to put it. He changed the entire pace of news reporting. To a certain degree, that's true. To another degree, he reflected the change that was inevitable. So um, he, he is both a cause and a symptom. Uh, of uh, these changes that you and I have talked about, the increasing speed of communications. That's what we're really talking about, the increasing speed of communications. Donald Trump was the first president um, to embody that, and he was both a cause and an effect of it. The other aspect that we've been dealing with in terms of the major stories of the year has been the economy. Mm-hmm. And um, I'll, I'll give you the whole the whole list: crime and violence and guns, the shootings that take place. You cannot dismiss the impact of COVID nineteen. We think it went away, but it didn't. And now we have uh, RSV. We have this horrible flu, which I just came through a two week stint of the flu. I've had COVID twice. And now I've had the flu. I got to tell you, the flu is worse than COVID for me. Race relations, civil rights, LGBTQ rights, abortion rights. And then, you know, each one of these stories would be the story of the year in in, in prior times. The Russia-Ukraine war and U.S.-China relations. Immigration. And then climate change, space exploration. Get it out, Harrison. And, And here's the one that really looms as getting bigger and bigger and bigger and that is the power of big tech and its role in censorship and some people hate him but the fact that something like elon musk can go through fewer hoops to buy one of the most powerful media platforms on earth and become its dictator simply because he could write a check and he has to go through more hoops than say you would have to if you wanted to buy a small am radio station that's true <laughs> that is very true and this this begs the question because i know that you've kept on top of all this these tranches as they call them of uh twitter document releases which shows 
I think for the average citizen, I'm not surprised at all. I knew it was going on. You just couldn't prove it. And they lied about it. Uh, but the degree to which the FBI was basically integrated within Twitter, and I think the same holds true for Facebook. You've, we've heard Zuckerberg talk about the FBI calling. And I mean, they just casually say these things that would normally would have curled people's toes. We accept it as normal. The FBI was directly involved with trying to shape the public opinion in favor of one political candidate. Michael, I believe that it can be proven in a court of law now that that was the case. Trump said it and he was called crazy and all these different things. These documents prove uh, that the FBI had an unholy type of uh, alliance. We can say with big tech, we can say specifically with Twitter, because Elon Musk, one of the advantages of uh, buying the toys, uh, you know, you, you get to play with them. He released all this. It's no longer in question to what extent there was direct involvement. I think that has to be. I know that the typical legacy media is yawning and they're not even covering it. But that is one of the biggest stories of 2022, in my mind, without a date, without a doubt, that the um, FBI has been exposed here. Well, well, what you're saying is 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 down the rabbit hole of partisanship, and uh, that certainly is you you make a very good case for a very good argument. But the bigger issue that I'm talking about is that the monopolies and the power of these platforms could easily be used uh, by any force within America, left, right, Democrat, Republican, FBI, or uh, the uh, uh, you know the American Civil Liberties Union. I, I mean, it doesn't matter what it is that the that we have got to create a situation where there is as much competition in online communications in big tech as there was back in the 20th century when newspapers, when you had three, four newspapers. I remember New York had eight newspapers when I was a kid. Um, and you had different companies owning television stations and radio stations and media. That was the competition in the media was the greatest protection against this type of uh, chicanery. Michael, two minutes row before the halftime break. See if this is analogous or if it's more of a problem just because of the nature of how many users there are. I think about trying to to be totally dispassionate about it. In days gone by, you could send a letter to the editor of your local newspaper. They might print yours and not print mine. So there there you have it. I could say, oh, that's not fair. They print Michael's letter. Because they like Michael or Michael's content. They don't want my content to be seen. Now we have this thing called Section 230. I don't want to get into the weeds too far. But this allows these big tech companies to become almost, I I say, oligarchs. I mean, and you think about the impact. Uh, You say it's political and getting down the whole, you know, foxhole or whatever you said, the rabbit hole uh, specifically of politics. I think clearly big tech affected the 2020 election. They decided... Who would get? Well, yes, they, let me finish. They decided who would get shadow banned, who would get ghosted, whose content could be seen. Uh, you weren't allowed to talk about uh, the the Biden laptop that was deemed guess fifty one, uh, who I think uh, have to be brought and put under oath. Uh, geniuses in the, in intelligence said that it was Russian disinformation. We now we've learned a whole lot about that. That's not politics. That's now fact. That's now truth. Uh, so I'm wondering what you, Michael Harrison, think about the way that social media 
has been able to shut down whoever they want, lift up whoever they choose to. And by the way, I'm okay if you say, hey, look, they own it. They tell you their terms of service. You're not guaranteed to have the megaphone of somebody else that they decide. But something about that doesn't seem right to me. I answered the question before you uh, went off on this particular take. It's always been that way. If there was only one newspaper, only five newspapers in the country, they would control the elections. Newspapers and the media have always controlled elections. Freedom of speech, interestingly enough, freedom of speech gives newspapers and gives media and gives platforms the right to be biased. Um, the only place that you're free of bias is from the government in terms of the First Amendment. People don't understand that. But then we found out that the government was conspiring with big tech. The government has always conspired with big media. This is, this is the only reason it's so in our face right now is, one, because it's got the power of the present. We're here and we're now. And because of the enhanced, accelerated, and amplified power of the media in this era. But I think the difference is, Michael, see if this is, is meritorious of, of, of you know, the thought that, that, that I believe makes it different. Knowing something but not being able to prove it it could be self-evident, but it really isn't because you haven't proven it. When the documents are released and you can see the FBI agents and the former FBI guy, assistant director Baker, uh, you know, uh, with his thumb on the scale, I think it's an altogether different situation. You, to just write off and say, oh, the Washington Post is liberal and the New York Times is really liberal and the L.A. Times is really liberal. That just becomes almost like uh, peanuts, Charlie Brown, wah, wah, wah. And you can't see the parents. You only see the kids and you can't hear anything. It's all just static noise. We've got documentation now that proves this coordination. I think it's game changing. Well, I don't think it's game changing at all. I think the game goes on. I think it's more of the same. The more things change, the more they remain the same when it comes to dirty politics. I mean, you talk about the FBI. How about the days of J. Edgar Hoover and the and 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 the dirt he had on almost everybody? There you go. So, yeah. so we're not talking about anything new. Yeah, he would show up. Kennedy became president. He would go make the appointment to see him. He'd lay a folder down on the resolute desk. And say, it's so great to meet you, Mr. President. Really looking forward to working with you. Hey, uh, Jay, what do you have there? Oh, it's just a folder. You know, it's just got some stuff in there. Hoover was masterful. The point I'm making is that for a conversation such as this, it devolves when you make it one party versus another as being the wrong and being the victim. Both parties all human endeavors are capable of this type of behavior. When you when you invent dangerous weapons such as modern media or modern bombs, they can be used against you. Because no no one side is inherently good and no one side is inherently bad. We've met the enemy and it is us. This has to do with human nature, so um, that's why I'm, I'm resisting going down that uh, that path of yeah, the FBI is doing it, and Trump lost, you know, was was robbed of the election, and, and all that partisan. Well, no, so I didn't go that far. I didn't say that, but what I did say was they kept and, the American and if I don't people, resist, but yeah. they did keep the American people, Michael, from actually learning facts that were available. They shut it down. That's that's pretty meaningful, I think, and something well, that needs to be looked at. Well, of course, it has to be looked at. We have to look at the uh, intentions of institutions that we count on to be 
unbiased and be to the benefit of all Americans. Yeah. But when we live in an era where we seek victory at the expense of truth, that becomes increasingly impossible. Love it. Therefore, everything comes back to our character as a people and our character as individuals. Great discussion. We continue right after the break. Ran, ran a little bit late because it was worth it, but we'll catch up right after this with Michael Harrison. This is WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It's early in the morning, anytime, anywhere on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. And we are back with Michael Harrison at 43 minutes past the hour. Our year in review. And now let's get into sort of, I think it's it's worthy of, of a segment even of the state of talk radio, Michael, what are your thoughts? Well, I think that um, this goes back to uh, our opening discussion. All media, and particularly radio and within radio, talk radio, has to figure out a way to define its specialness, its uniqueness, its mission, its image, its pertinence uh, in a field of changing um, definitions about media in general. That is, that's from the inside the business view. Um, it, 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 it's facing all kinds of problems. The aforementioned discussion about AM radios not sounding good in electric cars, uh, not necessarily turning to radio anymore for their cultural um, uh, input. Uh, for, the, for you know, for their leadership in terms of what it is to be a kid, you know, remember when you were a kid, there were media and there were DJs and there were things that were you know rock stars, different things that were your role models and 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 your link to the culture of your generation. Uh, this is what radio has to do. Um, talk radio, as far as I'm concerned, is the only radio. I think music radio, with all with all due respect to my colleagues that are in the music radio business, and uh, so many of the people in the talk radio business are also in the music radio business. They own the same stations, um, have an interest in the continuation of music radio. But I think music radio has done everything it can to shoot itself in the foot and make itself irrelevant. I don't even think about music radio as having a future um, any more than uh, ABC Television will have the Wednesday movie of the week. And you <laughs> and, were, uh, and Michael, you were a. D- DJ. Yeah, I, I was a DJ, and, and, and the word is was. Yeah. Uh, there was a time when being a DJ on progressive rock radio, such as the stations I worked on, WNEW-FM, WLIR, KMET, um, these were cultural beacons. You weren't just a guy going, hey, guys and gals, here's a hit. No, <laughs> we, we, we talked about the war. We talked about drugs. We talked about um, uh, gender relations. We talked about equal rights. We all these subjects were talked about by DJs on FM album rock radio stations. Uh, and one of the things that radio did in terms of music radio was it didn't talk down to its listeners. Just because people were young, that didn't mean they were stupid. We gave them respect, and um, that's missing. So when we talk about radio, we talk about talk radio. Talk radio, to me, is the only radio that has any kind of future um, because music – people do not go to radio to hear music. They just don't. It's too easy to go to YouTube. YouTube is where people get music. And then you've got all these music services, Spotify uh, and the like. And then, of course, you've got the ability to make your own playlist. 
and and have it on your phone and and listen to whatever you want without commercials. And Michael, when you so, listen when you listen to certain songs, because I do it, it creates your own playlist by your own habits, and then makes suggestions based on that. It's pretty it's pretty amazing the the whole algorithm of it all. But here's a great nexus though. Because you did something with your bandmates. 2022 was a big year for Gun Hill Road. For those who don't know, Michael introduced me to Gun Hill Road a number of years ago. Michael became a full band member of Gun Hill Road. And you did something that had never been done before. Your band launched a new song on talk radio, basically. Yes. Yes, talk radio, and and we are by today's standards. It's a modest international hit, um, based upon being sparked by airplay on talk radio, not music radio. Music radio didn't know what to do with the song "Idiots." It was a social commentary. It was a fun song. It it, uh, it has a uh, a music video on YouTube. Uh, it can be seen at idiotsvideo.com. It's uh, it's got thousands and thousands of views. And uh, talk radio can do that, yes. But um, to, to continue, talk radio has to be the best form of media, of, of audio media out there. It cannot, it cannot sink below amateur talk. It'd be like the New York Yankees not playing baseball as well as college teams or Sandlot teams. Podcasting and online broadcasting, as wonderful as they are, they are largely amateur. Largely amateur. The, for radio to succeed, talk radio, any kind of radio, into this next decade, it has to be what Broadway is to community theater, what Yankee Stadium is to Sandlot Baseball. It has to be the best. If it isn't the best... It has no reason to exist. We'll take our final break, mini segment, because we had a powerful mid segment there. Now we'll be in, uninterrupted when we come back until Brian Kilmeade at six minutes past the top of the hour. One more power segment with Michael seg- uh, with Michael Harrison. We're going to make that segment count, and I, I want to pursue this because Michael has this knack over more than fifty years to see things way out far, and I mean I could produce articles where i have read about michael talking about something that what it would look like 10 years from now so i remember about nine years ago asking michael where will talk radio be and and i'm, I'm going to remind every one of his answer as i go, send us into the break michael talked about how big digital would become how the the smartphone would be the radio station that you wouldn't be thinking in the, I don't want to say primitive terms, but the the, the terms of the past uh, in, in terms of what radio is. We've been talking about the fact that many electric cars, I think most of them are not even going to have. It's not one thing that they don't play well in the car. They're not going to have AM in the electric car. They may have FM, and then you'll have your ability to plug your device and to also use the USB that will be in the car to download your content uh, into the car that you want to listen to, whether it's real-time content or whether it's content that's available in a library. Uh, So now I'm going to pose the question nine years later to Michael. Ten years from now, what is radio going to look like? I think he was touching 
on some of it right now. We'll be right back with Michael Harrison. I am. Housing Opportunity Lender. WPGG Atlantic City. WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Guys, 2022's been a roller coaster year. So spoil her this Christmas by giving her the next best thing to wearing nothing at all. With soft, silky, naturally nude pajamas. Exclusively from Pajamagram. Sensuous and smooth, naturally nude pajamas feel just like her own bare skin. Even more alluring than lingerie, the texture and touch of these pajamas is so seductive that you'll both love the feel of them. She'll love the feeling of wearing next to nothing at all, and you'll love the way they look. Best of all, Pajamagram does the wrapping for you with free gift packaging. Order today, and Pajamagram will also include a free matching naturally nude nightie with the purchase of naturally nude pajamas. That is free gift packaging and a free naturally nude nightie when you order today. Just go to Pajamagram.com. It's fast, easy, and delivery by Christmas is guaranteed. That's Pajamagram.com. Sean Hannity, this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. With Michael Harrison. At 55 minutes past the hour, Michael is the founder, the publisher, and editor of Talkers Magazine. You can find him and his great team at Talkers.com. I check every day a couple of times. I mean, there's always amazing, fresh new content. They do a great job. Uh, Michael, you did – You did. Oh, oh, incidentally, let me, let me send a shout-out to a mutual friend of ours. We must be doing something right because Paul Rotella has written the program – we talk about how, remember, in the old days, you, you wouldn't get feedback until after your air shift. <laughs> so Correct. now we, in real time, it's, it's really amazing how, how things uh, have changed over the years. But Paul said that we are having a great show. So that makes, ah. me, that makes me feel good. Well, it makes it worthwhile. Otherwise, why should we do this? Yes. I, mean, I mean, I don't want any 10-second period of this program to be wasted. Love it. And I'm not talking about how wonderful I am. What I'm talking about, and this is a prelude to the answer of your question, you can't call it in or phone it in anymore. There's no filler anymore. You can't make movies where you have them driving over the bridge and you listen to songs while they go from one scene to the other and it's filler. You can't have filler. You can't be second rate in this new world. Attention spans are too short. The competition is too heavy. And people have options, and they're living in a world in which their time is running out. We, we, we don't have clean water. We don't have an abundance of time. And we're losing our privacy. Those are the three crises facing each and every human being at this point in history. And it's going to get worse as the years go on. So when you say, where will talk radio be in 10 years? Distribution will not matter anymore. It doesn't matter if there are AM radios in cars because it doesn't matter if there are FM radios in cars. It doesn't matter if there are radios in cars. As long as there's a computer that has an audio speaker in the dashboard, you can bring anything you want into the car, as you pointed out before, with the, the various and sundry uh, devices that go through what we currently call Bluetooth. Yeah. Uh, so so that's, that problem is solved. 
radio will be a genre and individual programs or what we call stations and networks will be brands. It'll be radio as a genre and it's got to find its definition. It's got to find out its specialness in this new dec in this new decade in this new century and programs will be a brand. Example, and I don't mean to embarrass you, but your radio station WPG it is the only place other than Fox uh, News that use, utilizes your service uh, occasionally and, and often, as a matter of fact. But the only place you can hear Hurley in the morning is on WPG. It doesn't mean on an AM radio. It doesn't mean on an FM radio. It means on the brand WPG, which people are listening to this. I, I know because I have a following. They know I'm on all over the world. People are listening to the brand WPG right now because they're hearing Hurley and Harrison. Can't hear it anywhere else. If, and that's why you and I have to be damn sure it's worth people's hour. My God, we're asking people for an hour, Harry. Yeah, yeah, I like that. It's not like they have nothing to do. That's the truth. You can't, so that's you, the and, answer. Yeah. And if it's not interesting, if, if, they will move on. They will turn that, of turn that right off. Interestingly, and I know you know uh, a lot about all the different companies out there. My company, Town Square Media, the, they, the, what used to be called program directors are, in fact, for a number of years, brand managers. It is a brand. You're absolutely yes. correct. And if you're on that wavelength now, you're in good shape. At some point, you will have to be there, even if it's kicking and screaming or you're just done, uh, without a doubt. That, that is so insightful because that's exactly what we're talking about, a brand. Uh, yeah. And you want people to uh, become acquainted with your brand, to become loyal to your brand uh, and stay around for as long as they can. I guess the old – you know, feeling of a quarter hour share and all that that means in in, in, more, in more arcane terms. Yes, because obviously that it's like a lot of things right now. And I know I know the different companies out there that measure this stuff. Maybe you don't watch a particular show when it airs. You record it on your DVR. Mm -hmm. You you count. You're you're a you know, a purveyor of that. Even if you watch it a day later, you know, you remember me and you when we were kids, uh, Wizard of Oz came on once a year. You couldn't right. tape it. Uh, and if you missed it, see you next year. Right. Right. And and I remember when Gone with the Wind would come back to the movie theaters every seven years. Correct. I, I don't know if, you, if it's before your time, but every seven years, Gone with the Wind would be re-released in the movie theaters. You couldn't see it anywhere else. But now, with multi-platform and streaming, and, 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 and we're going through an evolution. Right now, what you see right now is not the way it's going to be in 10 minutes. We're, 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 speed, we're going at the speed of light. It's just, boom, we're going into the future. So you, you, you can only take a snapshot, but by the time you look at it, the snapshot will be old. But we are going to land in a certain place 10, 15 years from now where even the smartphone will be considered to be ancient and clunky. It's all going to be directly into your brain. It's going to be... Do you, do you see in a decade, Michael, do you see in a decade... Do humans get loaded with some kind of chip and the chip can display on demand where you don't even need a screen? You can throw it out there uh, as like a hologram or something, but it's all right there. What I want to see if we can do today is like you did almost a decade ago. From a technology standpoint, do you see something that we don't even yet even see 
that will be that kind of Jetson or whatever you want to say, futuristic type thing? Unless we blow ourselves up and we don't handle the current crisis in the Ukraine-Russia uh, war, um, we are definitely heading to that. We are heading to a seamless a seamless media existence that will be the combination of artificial intelligence and virtual reality. I learned early on as a kid that had a tendency to understand media more than the average bear that it seemed to be the purpose of media was to get closer and closer to recreating what we think is real. Mm -hmm. That, you know, when people watch Charlie Chaplin movies back in the old days, they didn't go, oh, look, it's primitive, it's flicker, it's black and white, they're walking funny. They went, holy Toledo. Oh, yeah, that was state of the art. Yeah, look at that. And, and, there, and then there were talkies, and, Michael. Right. Oh, and, my gosh. said talkies. That's going to be funny. People aren't going to buy that. They're going to know they're not really talking. See if you'll buy what I'm selling right now. We have watched TVs that were once so heavy you couldn't move them as one person to becoming <laughs> thinner and thinner and lighter and exactly. lighter. So that tells me that they're on their way to disappearing. They of went course. from big and and you could I mean remember old TVs were furniture. It was huge pieces of wooden furniture. Mm -hmm. Now it's a flat screen and they're lighter than ever. I don't even know where they fit speakers and things. These things are like an inch wide now. So I say right. in 10 years that's going to be gone. I don't know if we roll out some kind of mat or if it's totally virtual on the wall, but I'm going to throw out a 10-year prediction that's something fantastical that we can't quite get our arms around right now will be our normal existence just a decade from now. Yeah, well, or at least the beginnings of it. Absolutely. So, so that's what I think. It is the goal of media to recreate reality. We're going to be living in some type of a weird, lucid dream where we're going to have to understand that we've already got to teach kids this. Little babies now are so facile with their little iPads and their, and their digital stuff that we have to teach them the difference between the world on the screen and the world that they live in. We, we're, we're going to have to come to grips with where do you want to be? There are people that are going to drop out and live in artificial intelligence they, and virtual reality. They are now. I was just, you, we're, I'll tell you, we're, we have synergy here today, Michael. I swear I was just going to say that. That's not hypothetical. There are people, they live there now. They're buying land. They're, 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 that's where they live. They live yeah. in, in virtual reality. Right. Buying land in the metaverse. Yeah. Talk about, I'll sell you a blanket. You know, I'll sell you a bridge. 90 seconds. 90 <laughs> seconds. It's yours. Closing comment. Bring it home. Well, clearly, we're, we're living on the edge of uh, one major era in human evolution to another, where, where um, you know, if you're going to talk about the future of radio, you have to talk about the future of the human nervous system because it ties together. There is no such thing as radio separate as a business and as an appliance. It's all media and it's all communications, and our ability to communicate is is moving at a speed faster than our legal system is able to keep up with in terms of regulating it, which we have to be able to do. And we, our social systems are having trouble keeping up with it in terms of being able to live in a civilized society and have norms that we can all relate to. And that's your 90 seconds, and that's where we're at right now. I can't predict the future because the future is uncertain. We are in a position now where we have to make the future, and we're responsible to do it properly. Kill Me is going to start in about 45 seconds. Uh, you mentioned 2024. I think it's already happened, but certainly by the time we turn the calendar, it's going to be a, sp a two-year sprint for 2024, isn't it? 
um, in terms of the election? Yes. I think that uh, the way it is right now will be considered old old stories. Um, it's going to be a whole new scene one year from now, certainly two years from now. Most of the things we're talking about right now will seem very, very passe by 2024. We love having Michael in the 9 o'clock hour. It's on purpose because we have the extra six minutes. Brian Kilmeade begins right now. And you can follow Michael. Uh, it's simple to do. Talkers.com. So put it as a favorite on your digital devices. Uh, put it on your home screen as I do. Talkers.com. Michael, I look forward to this each and every year. You never disappoint. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Michael. Happy holidays to you and your listeners. Same to you, Michael.